Blog Talk Radio. But we'll see. 
we will see. Um, you know, Oscar's not coming off a good performance, and obviously with the conspiracy stuff, we didn't get a ch- You know, the show went not not long per se, but we were really into it. You know, uh, shots out the three one zero. He you know he called in. Mark had a good spirited fun back and forth. Got a lot of comments back and forth with that as well. Um, so we missed a couple things. Some I also got messages saying, hey, you didn't talk about this. Hey, you didn't talk about that. Well, sometimes it's just a talker. You know what I mean? Um, I started the show a little later, so it didn't give me that, you know, news, you know, time, I guess you could say. We'll also talk about the potential fight that looks like it's a done deal. They're just kind of finagling over some details. Devin Haney against Joseph Diaz Jr., Jojo Diaz. Sounds like that's probably headed towards uh, a fight. I think Vegas, they said. They're kind of, like I said, going back and forth. Rematch clause, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. We'll talk a little details with that. We'll also talk about what we didn't speak with any kind of detail was that your Dennis Ugas stuff with the WBA. They're, we've known for a little time now that they are you know, having him fight uh, in that four-man tournament, but he did try to put in, you know, a special request to fight Errol Spence, and that kind of woke us up to hold on. They had a date for Spence, meaning is he back then? You know, is he? it looks like he's going to be cleared here to start training, then at some point start, you know, sparring and whatnot. So, that's great news in general. Not so great, though. You know, there was a – there's a lot of rules, right, when it comes to these sanctioning bodies. And there was a detail that – and I mentioned saying this, but we didn't get to it, that Jake Donovan, um, who, who I think will be coming on the show next week. i got to give him a call, or soon anyway. Um, you know, like, there was a little specific detail that we'll go over that sucks. You know, it totally sucks, but there there was a little bit of detail that they kind of relate with that. So, um, but I can understand why not trying to do it. Maybe they can get the winner of Jamal James and Butiev to step aside and then be guaranteed the winner. But do you want that to play out too? You know what I mean? I don't know. So we'll get into a little detail. There is this Mike Tyson return. I don't know if it's just an exhibition. I don't know if it's two-minute rounds. But they're talking about him and Logan Paul. We're not going to spend a lot of time on that one. Both Paul brothers are in the news for potential fights. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about now what Dillian White says about his, uh, his shoulder that we still don't 100% know for a fact. But it, to me, it just, it, you know, it, it, obviously going to do what they're going to do, right? Um, but yeah, Jake Paul was talking about something like, oh, he's not going to fight Fury now, and he's going to fight a real boxer, which was kind of funky. Um, I don't know. The WBA ordered a fight that is kind of weird because they already have a fight going on, one of them, Aleem. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a whole mess of stuff, you know. A lot of the WBA, you know, rulings have been positive but some of them now recently you're like well hold on is that going to ruin that fight or is that fight not going to happen that type of thing now of course Ugas could just drop his belt you know what I mean but then is that 
does that make it a little less, you know, I, I don't know. It's a tough one. It's a tough one because I'd like to see the Ugas Spence fight, but having that, collecting that belt and building to Undisputed is very important as well. Maybe they'll do the Ugas fight, and then, like I said, the winner of this weekend's fight would get it. Or maybe they'll have a box off with, you know, uh, Stanos, Stanonius. Maybe they could have Stanonius just face the winner. I don't know. It's a mess, but they created the mess. <laughs> so they got to clean it up. And some of the cleaning it up hasn't been all that clean. Let's put it that way. There's going to be, you know, of course, more uh, current fight news. And, of course, the boxing Twitter segment, we'll talk. We usually close the show on that one. So uh, we'll definitely talk about that. Um, but, yeah whole lot to talk about, no doubt about it. If this is your first time listening to the Ropa Dope Radio podcast, welcome. Um, it streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Ropa Dope Radio. However, you don't have to go to Blog Talk and Ropa Dope and download the show directly there or listen to the browser. If you don't want to, you can find this platform on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spricker. Really across the board, we're also part of the Grueling Truth Sports Podcast Network. Um, while you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegrillingtruth.com. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have and you're not totally happy, I got something for you. It's called DirecTV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. It's the best of live TV and on demand. No annual contracts, no hidden fees. If you upgrade to the choice or ultimate package, that gives you an uh, HBO Max for free for three months. You also get to enjoy regional sports networks without the additional fees that you see all across the cable stuff now. And uh, if you go to the premier one, this is heads up boxing fans here. If you go to the premier package that gives you HBO max and showtime, which is putting on the best fights overall included in that package. That's direct TV stream. Okay. Like I said, we're going to start, in the ring, and what better place to start than obviously <laughs> Shakur Stevenson and Jamal Herring. Um, you know, a lot of criticism, sent anyway. I mean, a lot of people like Shakur, though, too. Let's not get that twisted. But his last few fights have been uninspiring, and now you don't need to do the Fury, you know, Wilder 3 Rocky movie every fight or anything like that but and it's not even going for the knockout per se now if you got a guy hurt sure you're not going to go wild swinging in there say like a wilder but you know you do want to clearly win the rounds dominate the rounds not just one punch here one punch there right I mean hit and not get hit we talked about last week is a very important uh, trait to have, clearly, especially as you go up in levels, like against an Oscar Valdez. You know what I mean? I could see Stevenson using that counter approach, counter uh, punching approach, and then maybe stinging him and then going forward. You know, we'll see on that fight. But he was, like the title says, motivated. You could see it in his face. You could see it in how he came right out and started pumping that jab landing a few nice shots to the body, um, especially with that left hand. First round, he looked really good. Chris, ready to fight, ready to just 
take it to Herring. And those left hands straight or like a left hook were landing flush early and often. Maybe in the second round he was already buzzed, Herring. The punch right there, 26 to 6. Now that's dominating in a round. And it's not like he just went wild, like I mentioned. He inched forward. He was keeping, you know, steady with the jab. And I liked how he, not just to the head and, and setting it up or fainting with the crisp jab that he had, but he was putting it to the potty as well. And by the third round, he was on a rapid-fire combination, and it looked like Herring was in pretty deep trouble. Now, Herring actually, I thought, won the fourth round potentially. He kind of got his jab going, kind of pressed forward and tried to get close to him, landed a few nice left hands himself, um, Stevenson kind of worked early and late in that round. Maybe he still won the round. I'm not saying that you couldn't give it to Stevenson because you could. But I was impressed by Herring showing, no surprise, a lot of heart after looking like he got stung in the second and third round. Fifth round, sixth round, I mean, looping short right hands, looping left hands, landing super hard. Um, you know, in that fifth round, Herring did close well. He got inside a little bit, but it was pretty much all Shakur after that. By the sixth round, both of his eyes had some swelling, especially his left eye on Herring. Um, and, and to me, actually Herring had a decent round, but Stevenson closed better. And that sneaky right hand was super accurate, that right hook. Um, and, you know, next thing you know, Fighting on the inside, Stevenson. You know, he, he would, he would the, the fight would be on the inside, then he'd do, you know, a little bit on the outside, a reset. He had a few better moments in that seventh round, and that, that basically did it, you know. Um, hard left hands to start out the ninth or the eighth, yeah, the, the eighth round. Same with the ninth round, too. He was just busier overall. Um, TKO. Was the TKO early, you know, in the 10th round? Was it early? Uh, I mean, sure, whatever. You could say it was early stoppage if you want. That's fine. How many rounds beyond one? I, I mentioned that fourth round. How many rounds could you really give to Herring in the whole fight, let alone since that fourth round? And I'm not even guaranteed, like I said, that you give him the fourth round. It just considering how he looked in the second and third, he looked pretty damn good in that round. Uh, you know, because he was pressing forward behind the jab and whatnot. But just an all-around great performance. Um, I just, I liked what I saw out of Stevenson. And not just because he, he looked to, you know, dominate his guy, which he did. But just, the, you know, he did it still somewhat, you know, he did it composed. He wasn't just, you know brawling in there or trying to go for a knockout right away, he still did it very, very well. You know, he did it, you know, under control, like I mentioned. And, uh, you know, he landed 164 total punches to 87, 99 power punches to 41. There's also this uh, stat from ESPN ringside that says Stevenson has now outlanded his opponent in 43 straight rounds. Um, now, there was a decent crowd out there. I think it got to 5,000 as far as the attendance. You know, we don't know the paid attendance exactly, but I think a couple of people. Yeah, here, actually, 5,123. Um, you know, so, we'll, we'll, you know, it, it was a, 
they still had, you know, uh, Kanye was there or just Ye now, that's his official name. There was a variety of, of well-known folks there. And Jadakiss actually brought out Stevenson, which was no match for, you know. Well, actually, I'm sorry. Flip side, Jada. Wait a second. Yeah, Herring came out to Jada. What am I saying? Um, but anyway, you know, I, um, I liked what I saw. I really did. I mean, I, I, I thought it was awesome. Performance, it was just, you know, he, he lived up to some of this hype that we've been talking about. And it's really this, just these last couple of fights that were just kind of like, mm, I don't know, it seems like he's leaving stuff on the table. But there were some folks like Matt, Matthew Aguilera that was going a little over the top. I mean, the guy said Stevenson looked like a prime Mayweather. Okay, you know, whatever. But then he said that, that this reminded me a lot of Mayweather's 10th round TKO over Diego Corrales. And I had to say something online to him. I just like, calm down. Just pump the brakes a little bit. Like, first of all, I love me some Jamel Herring. I said it again, and I'll keep saying it, right? But he's not Diego Corrales. He wasn't unbeaten. He wasn't a big power puncher. I mean, he was probably, I don't know where you'd put Corrales for power punching at that time, whether he was top 10 or not. He was a power puncher. And I think he was ranked 10th or 9th. He was right on the the edge of that pound-for-pound pound list. Shit, he was the, the favorite going in. There, this is what gets me that they go over the top either negatively or positively. Like, there's no reason to say this reminded you of Floyd Mayweather against Diego Corrales. I mean, he landed some really nice, you know, straight lefts and hooks. But just when we talk about hook, right, remember the left hook that was landing on Diego all night? Not only could you barely see the damn thing because it was so fast, but how many times did he drop Diego Corrales? And at that point, it's not like Corrales was coming off the mat like – like a Gamboa early in his career, constantly coming off the mat, just being dumb, getting knocked down, getting flash knockdowns. So to sit there and say a matchup of pound-for-pound pound guys at the time, unbeaten guys at the time, reminds you of that. It's like, come on. And what I mean on the other flip side of it, they'll also sit there and dog people. I mean, some people were saying stuff about Shakur Stevenson that was too much. You know what I mean? It's like... Just calm down a little bit, you know what I mean? Just let this stuff play out, but let's not get overzealous on that stuff. I mean, that that one was way over the top, dude. That was way, way over the top. Um, so, there is actually some, uh, you know, there's not a WBA super, super belt is out there, right? I think that's, is that the Gutierrez? And Colbert, I think that's what that is. I think it's for that one. And it, the way Chris Colbert says, he actually, and this is this goes back to the WBA stuff, he was actually saying, dude, I'm pissed because I was going to fight Gary Russell Jr. until this stuff came in. Roger Gutierrez in his mandatory challenger versus mandatory challenger for the WBA, I think that's for the super title. See, this is the problem. With this, but it sounds like that's going to be February nineteenth on Showtime. 
um, according to Fight Freaks Unite. Okay, that it would be Dan Raphael. That that's that's what they're saying. Which I'm not saying that's a bad fight, but Gary Russell Jr. and Colbert, you know, is, is a better fight. Um, but overall, great performance. I was happy to see him just 100% motivated. Sometimes you can see it. Just to use Floyd Mayweather's example, remember when? And I'm not saying the fights are similar, but remember when Mosley hurt him twice. He hit him with two shots that hurt Floyd. I was actually in the building that night. That place was going nuts, right? But then the face and what he did after him, uh, Mayweather to Mosley, mad Mayweather. You could see it in his face, and he pushed you know, the fight right to Shane the whole time. It looked like he was going to stop him there. Um, that type of feel to it, that type of, I want to dominate you, not fight stupid, not fight crazy, not just randomly go for the knockout, but just real, real solid, solid stuff out of Shakur. And uh, it was a damn good fight for him. And like I said, what is next? A lot of people are saying Oscar Valdez because, you know, a lot of top rank in the ESPN broadcast has talked about this fight. That They were almost going to make the fight straight up. But there's been a lot of talk about this, but I don't believe it's going to be next. Especially Oscar Valdez, not off a great performance. Now, the argument to that is we saw Oscar Valdez struggle at times and then just, you know, put it all together against Burchell, right? So, I mean, there is something to be said that. And maybe he'd take the fight for that reason. Like, no, I want this fight. But they're also talking about Navarrete going up to 130 and Oscar and Valdez and Navarrete fight. Shakur probably fights somebody else. And then they fight maybe late summer next year or something like that. Whatever it is, 2022, if Oscar Valdez beats Navarrete, which is no guarantee, that fight has to happen. That let's just put it that way: the unification has to happen between those those two. Um, it just it just does. It just does. I really think that. It, you know, the IBF is it the IBF that's lingering out there in that weight class? I think it's the IBF. There's a vacant IBF available. Uh, boxing in weed. Here's your boxing Twitter segment to start out with. He's got a hashtag. Make boxing undisputed. He said they should have Stevenson go for the vacant IBF or WBA. Velda's go for the other, then have them go undisputed. And that, to me, that's kind of like, so he's going to fight. What are these matches? Because some of them could be good. But so, so then not Navarrete and fight the highest ranked guy? Because that, that could be interesting. But once again, if you want to see a quality fight, Oscar Valdez, Shakur Stevenson. Do you have to go to the rigmarole? I mean, do you really? Well, you know, belts are shitty and F the WBA. But why doesn't he go get that vacant WBA? Let's, you know, it's kind of like, well, hold on, dude. Now all of a sudden putting, you know, weak belts together. Now it makes it a bigger fight. Why? So we could just promote it that way? Okay, that's cool as long as they're good fights. If they're good fights and, you know. I mean, are they going to have Navarrete come up and, 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 and hop? You know, that Chris Colbert and Rod, you know, Gutierrez is the, is the fight for the WBA. So that's not going to be a 
Now, Rakimov, you know, could – so now you're saying Stevenson fight Rakimov, right, for that vacant belt, and then have Navarrete fight, and then they fight? I would be on board for that, but to just make this stuff up while we're going – Screw the, the WBA. They're a cancer to the sport. But you know what? Stevenson should fight someone for that WBA, and let's mix these. But No, let's just make the damn fight. Let's just make the damn fight. Um, I love me some undisputed, but a lot of these belts get dropped anyway. Sure, you could say, you know, the last two that we've seen that were successful, I should say, because uh, there was a draw, you know, in one of them, Castaño and, and Charlo. But a lot of times these belts are going to go anyway. And COVID is in the middle of this stuff too. So if they're good fights, I'm all on board. But I just don't want to, well, pick up this bacon. Yeah, and then let's waste some more time. But these, these out, of, out of one side of your mouth, you're saying that. Uh, the other, you're, you're sitting there saying the WBA is a joke. And uh, why are they marinating fights? You know, let, let's try to keep it under wraps here, okay? Let's try to keep it consistent. And uh, I get why a boxing fan would say that, but, you know, sometimes you hear that from the media. You're like, well, which one is it, dude? Either way, though, to keep it in the ring, Stevenson looked damn good. And uh, I hope it's either next or the – I mean, it has to be the one after that. I mean, it has to be. And I, and I hope Stevenson would be in at least a pretty solid fight uh, so he's not just in a stay-busy-nothing fight and then Oscar's fighting Navarrete. Which I'm all on board for that fight. Don't get me wrong. Oscar Valdez and Navarrete, you're not going to hear me complain about that fight. Obviously, you know, sure, Navarrete's going up in weight, but he's a big, big dude. Look at his shoulders. Look at how long he is. I mean, pause. You know, it is what it is. Um, We will talk Oscar Ribes. We will talk some undercard. Obviously, Ali's grandson who, by the way, once again, got the biggest rating because it was the first fight right after there. We had a Holyfield sighting um, in a positive way this time. <laughs> um, so we'll talk a little prospects. We'll talk a little – you know, I don't like to talk about that bridge weight, but it was a good fight. We can't deny that. So that's the way we're going we're gonna to skew towards that. But I do want to bring in a great boxing man, mine, excuse me, John, and see what he got about Shakur Stevenson see what I thought about this undercard. You know, they had the lead-in. I thought it would be a better rating off of this lead-in because it was a the, – before I go to him, sorry about that. The lead-in was the biggest college football game of the day. Not the most meaningful, but it had Bama involved. So rating-wise, technically, it was the highest one by a fair amount as well. The only thing that beat it was game six – in the baseball playoffs, MLB playoffs. And I thought, okay, here we go. They're going to they're gonna wait for the main event to let game six end. Okay, I get some of that. But then, you know, more than a couple of minutes went by, and then it was 10 minutes. It was 15. It was 20. It's like, that game's over, dude. That game's over. So let's start this thing. We got the rating. We got this nice lead-in. Let's get the ball rolling on this thing. I forgot to mention that. But the whole card did 1.3, um, the average. And it was a long card. Not a lot of great fights in there. That was, I guess you could say, the problem per se. 
but the whole card did average 1.3. Um, the main event um, averaged 1.2. Actually, I got it right here. I just I just went by it. Where'd I go? Where'd I go? The whole thing averaged 1.3. The main event averaged 1.23 and peaked at 1.26, which is not a good peak based off the average. But like I said, the peak average was 1.7, and that was for Ali's grandson because that came close enough to the game. So still a nice rating, but I did think it would be higher than 1.2 in the main event, given that it was well over 4 million uh, people were watching that um, in the fact that the MLB game was over. Anyway, let's go to John. Long story short, what's going on, Dan? How the hell are you? Hey, Chris, I enjoyed listening to your lead in here and uh, good, good to, uh, good to be here tonight. Um, yeah, just pick up where you left off with the TV. I, I thought the TV rating was good in this climate that we're in where the boxing ratings have, have just really, it seemed like a bottom. I mean, because, uh, you know, you're just getting bad ratings on Fox, bad ratings on ESPN when you look at the numbers and COVID going on. So, you know, I thought about 1.3 million for the main event, which started so late on the East Coast, which has got the highest population. I mean, I think when you're talking about lead-ins, you, you've got to account for that. I mean, this this main event was, was starting well, well after the Alabama game. Uh, and, uh, you know, where you were really going to, going to lose a lot of, a lot of East coast viewers. So I thought under those circumstances that it, it did well, well from what we've seen lately. I mean, you know, you're, you're at a point where you're, you're getting like old HBO ratings, you know, on ESPN, which is, is not really good because you've got so many, so many more homes, but the way the boxing ratings have been lately to, to get guys like Stevenson and Herring to be seen by an audience that at least some years back you would have called on HBO. That, that's at a point where it's getting pretty good. I, I think in the climate, this uh, Stevenson Herring fight on ESPN and then the, the 600,000 or so pay-per-view for Wilder and Fury for this climate, I think we're both pretty good numbers. I think that that's a potentially good sign for uh, Plant and Canelo being that Canelo, you know, fights so much, you know, almost basically exclusively in the U.S. And uh, he's got a big, you know, of course, Mexican and Mexican-American following as well as general following. He's a big star. And then you got Plant, you know, an American guy who who has had moments of good ratings, specifically his, you know, fight on FS1 with he's caught the guy, which, which got just about a million. Um, you know, that was a few years back pre-COVID. Uh, that was a, that was a pretty good number for that situation. So he, he's been seen by some people and with all the PBC appearances. So, you know, on the out-of-the-ring TV front, I think uh, things had gotten so bad. I think these last couple of big events were encouraging and might might be a good sign for uh, Canelo and Plant in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's a fair assessment, no doubt about it. Um you make a good point because we haven't had those ratings. It just um, we have started to see a lot of sports bounce back. The NBA first week is their best week since 2017. The NFL's 
popping off, college football is popping off, and it was the biggest one. So I think I'm I'm kind of used to what it was. You know what I mean? So yeah, you're right. That that's still a good rating though. Definitely, I didn't mean to take anything away from it. But as far as inside the ring, it seemed like a more focused, more razor sharp motivated Shakur Stevens entered entered that ring against Jamel Herring and. Uh, I liked what I saw. What says you about that, sir? Oh, yeah. I, I, I loved what I saw. This was kind of the – now, for me and Stevenson, now this is almost like even for how many fights she's had, you know, we're just getting over 15 fights. Uh, but it's almost like to me his career's almost had three stages. Of course, he's highly touted amateur did the the best really an American has in the Olympics for a long period of time when he picked up the the silver, you know, just losing a decision to Ramirez in the final at featherweight. And then, you know, turned pro and, and, you know, very young guy, you know, he's still very young, only 24 years old, but, you know, in his early fights as a pro, I thought he was looking so underpowered that he gave me some concerns, you know, that's what you had heard more lately. Then, then it seemed to me after those first few fights, he started power punching even with his skills. And then I was thinking, yeah, he looks like he's got that figured out. He's going to be the real deal. Then we had the phase that going into Saturday night that you had alluded to, which, you know, I agree with your assessment. I mean, just fights were dull. He was, he wasn't power punching. He wasn't getting hit. That's the thing. So, you know, watching those fights, they weren't exciting, but one thing you could see is, you know, even if the offensive performances aren't too exciting, nobody's hitting this guy. So, you know, as you and I both felt confident that Stevenson was going to get an easy win, which which he did, but we both agreed. We we just didn't feel like with his recent performances that you, you could bank KO. But um, we all have our, our good moments with this and our bad. I, I think actually kind of a, a, a betting story uh, fits for this for me for Saturday night. And, and also I think it's something that you know, DraftKings has started to sponsor a lot of boxing stuff, which is good because, you know, sports betting becoming more and more legal in the U S um, it, it draws in viewers. I think that's another reason that in all the sports, like you talked about the NBA NFL ratings are going back up. Yeah. You had the COVID drop, but also, and you know, pro sports, realize this once it got legalized and, and they were adjusting to it. I mean, it's going to, it's going to increase your ratings. So, because people got skin in the game, they care more, they can make themselves care about an event. Now, why I'm just tied the story in Saturday night personally. And I think it goes to the in the ring performance of Stevenson based on what you and I had said, I put my money where my mouth was and I bet Stevenson by decision. And I think it was about, minus 150 and then I watched him come out on those first two rounds and and just punishing herring with that jab right off the bat looked looked serious about doing some damage and after the first two rounds I saw the KO at about a plus 150 and I put a little extra money on it where make a little bit of a profit then you know kind of tossing my decision bet I couldn't cash it out and you know we wondered a little bit as the fight went on, but that's the way it played out. But, you know, so that was usually why I wanted to mention that too, is in the U S now, I know in the UK, they're used to all the betting on everything, even presidential elections, 
we were not in the U.S. It wasn't legal. Now you've got the sports becoming legal in a lot of states in the U.S., legal in New Jersey and West Virginia, the two states where I spend my most time. So uh, I've, I've already – full legalization for me, you know, wherever I am. And, you know, there was live, which on the boxing in the U.S. so far, we've seen that a little, but not much. So there was live – I noticed that then, you know, I, I was frustrated. It looks like Stevenson means business. He's going to get Herring out of there. And, and there was live betting on this fight, you know, from, from DraftKings. So uh, that was good for boxing. You know, that, that's the type of thing. Of course, you had NFL, NBA, college football, but you weren't getting it that much with a lot of these fights. But there, there you had it, and DraftKings was one of the sponsors. So that was good. But then in the ring, yeah, I saw Stevenson punishing him with the jab right off, looking serious. Herring couldn't hit him, which I figured that was going to happen. Um, I just didn't think Herring was doing anything winning any rounds. I, I just thought it was basically a massacre. I, I, I was fine with the stoppage. You know, Stevenson's still not a, a brutal power puncher, but he was, he was sticking the jab hard, real hard. I, I never saw him really with that kind of punishing jab like that. I was very impressed by that. And he was also been following with power punches. You know, of course, he had him cut bad. He was busting him up. Uh, total domination. Stevenson did what we want to see him do but you know when you have a guy like that who's not getting hit and then he's dealing out the punishment you know he's going to be a tough out for anyone and you know I I tweeted after that which I think a few days later you got to remember what these fights being talked about it's going to take a lot of money to get somebody in with him and you know he's just building up his star power in other words he's not maybe at a point yet where you know, like Floyd Mayweather got to where just because you're fighting him, you know, later his career, Floyd Mayweather was defensive, um, but he was such a star and, you know, the pay-per-view numbers were so high that, you know, you were going to make a fortune if you fought him like, like Canelo is now, Um, you know, Stevenson's not at that point yet. So I think there's going to be a lot of people running from him. Um, Top rank, unfortunately, you know, I agree with you, Chris. I mean, there's no reason he couldn't just fight Valdez now, but, you know, the way boxing is, I don't know if we're going to get that, but top rank, you know, could could make that fight, obviously, but, you know, is it going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if Valdez will be too anxious to do that right now, the way Stevenson looked. But, you know, you mentioned about some of the tweets and people going overboard, and, and I, I have my takes a little different on this, but I, I use it for all fighters and all the fights. It works for me. I think it's it's always good to use to get perspective. And, and I think it gives me the perspective that, you know, you were talking about with people who need to pump the brakes a little as good as Stevenson looked. And I don't think there was any reason to downgrade him, but that's just the way I look at it. I always look at it as, you know, if there were only eight weight classes or maybe because fighters have gotten so much bigger at heavyweight, we had the original eight weight classes and a cruiserweight fine and one champ a division, you know, what would the fight be? To me, that always gives me perspective. So let's look at Shakur Stevenson's career so far. I mean, if there were only eight weight classes and one champ a division, there's no way him beating Joette Gonzalez was going to be any kind of championship, okay? So he fought at featherweight, didn't didn't fight anybody really who was a top ten guy. That would That's a weight class, but he didn't fight anybody who was a top ten guy. He wouldn't have been the champ. Then he's basically moving up, you know, in the original eight, 130, you're, you're a lightweight, you know, so, he, so he'd be at lightweight now. 
I would say if there were eight weight, and, and then it applies to Jamel Herring. If there was eight weight classes in one champ of division, Jamel Herring's not a champ. No disrespect to him. You know, we respect his service. He's a good guy, likable. I, I like reading his stuff on Twitter. Um, he's a very, you know, likable fighter. But with that said, you know, you mentioned the losses and got KO'd by Shabakov. At best, he's, he probably at this point would have been a fringe lightweight contender, you know, maybe bottom of the top ten. And, you know, Chris, you followed boxing for a long time. What, that's what I like what that analysis gives me is takes me back in the era where we didn't have all these belts and we didn't have all these champs. And, and that doesn't mean everything in the old days. Personally, I don't think the talent of the fighters is any less nowadays. So I'm not one of those people that lived in the past for talent, but I, but just for evaluating the sport and, and the way the sport should be, you know. So, sure, so if they Stevenson fought really, more, if they fought exactly, more, they would right. be sharper throughout the year, that which would give us a better product. Right, but so so like if this was forty years ago, you know, Shakur Stevenson's like a top lightweight prospect, and this fits in with like what you were saying last week, which where it does kind of fit with what some people were saying now in the old days, like. Herring really was like just like his first test, not thinking you're, that he was necessarily going to lose, but really the first time he's kind of fighting like a guy that's that's basically on the top ten level, you know, just just into the top ten level, and he dominated. So again, and I'll go back to my old analysis. So what does it really mean? It's it really means you know he he'd be like a top ten lightweight. So you know he he's maybe. You know, you know, then you start saying, would he, would he be ready to fight a Tio Lopez or a Lomachenko or maybe somebody a hair below that? Um, and then, you know, that's where you would probably get into like a Valdez or a, a Comey or something like that. Again, if there were eight or nine weight classes. And then, you know, it, it gets you back to perspective. And, and uh, that's where again, naturally you said you don't get too carried away with it. So, you know, it was like his first his first real contender type test and and he passed it with flying colors. He dominated. So, you know, we know now, you know, he's, he's going to be a threat to challenge the top guys and then whether he he beats them or not, uh, you know, we don't know, but, you know, I, I mean, of course I'm even more so with you on what you said that you yourself are. I mean, when people get talking about these belts and unification, I mean, got to give, always got to give the lecture at least a little bit as much as much as possible. I mean, when the W like, just like you said, we can use the WBA. If that's the easiest for people to understand, we'll use them as the example. I, I, to me, it applies to all four of them, but if the WBA is not credible, I mean, we see what they do. All you got to do is look at their ratings. All you got to do is look at their ratings, which are literally laughable and they don't rank the other alphabet organizations champions. So, in other words, what what validity validity do they possess to say somebody's a champion or not a champion? None, none, because their their ratings aren't credible, and who they recognize as a champion isn't credible because they're not even considering uh, other belt holders as to be candidates for their champions. So it's a joke. So I mean, what, if they're a joke, then when people talk unification, I mean, you know. 
that's something I got to say, like, look, I'm looking forward to Canelo plan. It's kind of, to, to me, what's been the big appeal of Canelo plan is like the, the attractiveness it can have in the United States where, you know, we want big fights that appeal to a broader, a broader audience. At least I do. I want to see that. I always like to see the sport do as well as possible. And, uh, for, for people who question that, I say, well, why, why do you care and things like that? Look, look at, we, we tweet about boxing on social media. You know, people, we do podcasts, listen to podcasts. Uh, we talk boxing, you know, with, with people that like boxing. So obviously we care that more people are invested in it. If we didn't, we wouldn't talk to anybody else about it. So, um, yeah, you want, you want the sport to, to get a broader audience, have some, have some big fights. So just sidetrack a little there, but, um, you know, I think Stevenson's on the track to start. I, I think, you know, you mentioned the 5,300. I think that matters, too, because I kind of got what they were trying to do. But, but I, I got to say, because this one was thinking too much, a head scratcher. But you, you got you a New York guy fighting a New Jersey guy. You don't put him in Atlanta. You don't put him in Atlanta. Because right. even in the year 2021, which how much boxing is faded, just with the, the New York, New Jersey media market and the boxing history in that area, which, you know, boxing was, of course, large, you know, the essence, the start of a lot of the Northeast a lot, you know, a lot, a lot of the history that's in the Northeast at a minimum. Of course, you have, you know, West Coast uh, with, with a lot of the smaller weight fighters, you know, and but there, that, that history is still there enough that, you know, when you can draw on that with, with guys from the area, that that's kind of a head scratcher. So to me... I said the TV rating was good, but but to bother to put the fight in Atlanta, and then it's not like Vegas where you're dealing with a big site fee or something, and it's fifty three hundred. Then to me, exactly. people get too caught up. In it. Like who cares? But Atlanta, you know, there's nothing to really, you know, there's plenty of other stuff going on in Atlanta uh, where to just have a fight there from with a New Jersey and a New York guy, you know, a hundred and thirty pound fight too. It's not a heavyweight fight or something. Um, just yeah, to, to bring in fifty three hundred people that that didn't that didn't make a hell of a lot of sense. So I, I do consider that a miss, and I wish it would be against a better opponent. But but I've got a feeling that's where maybe the fit will be for top rank if if Valdez doesn't really want this or they don't want to come up with the money. Uh, you know, it'll be the quote unquote homecoming fight for Stevenson and Newark, which. I'd like to see them do that, but I just wish it would be a better opponent. But but maybe that's going to end up being the compromises. Yeah, he'll be in Newark next, but it, it might not be against somebody we want to see. Yeah, that is uh, that is it was kind of funky. It's like you know, oh well, we got you know two you know, African-American U.S. fighters, all right, let's put them there because Tank just stole down there as if it's, if it's just the same scenario. Just kind of kind of lazy with it, really. And like you said, it's not like the sight fee. You know, I mean, I think Bob will come out and say it if it was a really good sight fee. usually does. So it is kind of funky there um, a little bit. As far as on the prospects, um, you know, realm on the undercard, obviously – we got the grandson who, because he was, you know, such an early fight, they did get, I think that average rating was like 1.7 coming right off that Alabama. But we had a Holyfield sighting in Ali slash Walsh, Nico uh, sighting. Um, 
we had another prospect as well who looked pretty good uh, in a dominant win over uh, Carpency. Um, what do you think of the other card as far as just wasn't much to look at, but, you know, the, the, the prospects anyway? Yeah, I thought it was a terrible undercard. I always look at things like that as wasted opportunities. Um, I think a lot of it is they're looking at, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to pay. You know, that's where you see these fights where they don't want to pay opponents and then they don't want to pay on the undercard. It's, they they want to keep fighter pay total down, you know, at, as much as they can uh, in terms of the cost of these shows, which, you know, is frustrating to me where they, they, they just miss opportunities, um, you know, to get greater exposure to some of their, their better fighters in better fights. Now, Zayas, I do like a lot of the prospects, so he got some exposure there, and he looked good. I mean, he's, he's for real as a, as a prospect to me. Um, I don't, I don't really care for the, the he's so young too. Yeah. And Zayas very young. So, you know, but, but again, I, you know, it's like, I, you know, they want people to see him, but, but if you're going to have him seen, put him in a real, you know, I mean, put him in a competitive fight. Uh, that, that's, that's to me the thing. I mean, people do have a sense for that. I mean, you know, put him in a competitive fight. Then if he really shines, it stands out even more. You know, the Ali Walsh thing is, you know, people like to, I mean, I mean, Chavez Jr., you know, it, it ended up at the, for me, it's always pre-Martinez and post-Martinez because, you know, you know, the pre-Martinez and in the Martinez fight, Chavez Jr., for a guy with no amateur career, uh, and, and I liked the way he looked coming up. I, I really did. I mean, you know, I mean, he, he ended up knocking out Andy Lee. I mean, people that didn't like him, you know, said, oh, they thought Zivic deserved better on the scorecards. I didn't see that at all. I mean, they thought he clearly, you know, won that one. That was a guy, forget the, again, forget the alphabet belt stuff, but that was a guy that was a top 10 middleweight at that point. Um, you know, for, for, for a guy, and then he not, you know, almost knocked Martinez, the real lineal champ out in the 12th round. I mean, that was a, you know, even even though the wheels completely came off after that, and he became he became ultimately became a joke. He had to end his career after the Martinez fight for a guy with no amateur experience. He did pretty well, but but why I'm mentioning him is because people want to laugh now looking at it, the way it worked out. But but he's the exception. That's what I don't like about these you know, Ali Walsh and these Campbell Hattons. I mean, these guys, not only are they they getting this exposure, it, it is like a joke kind of a thing because these guys don't have amateur experience. And, and to get as far as Chavez Jr. got is actually no amateur experience is the exception, not the rule. I mean, in other words, these guys – with no amateur career have no real chance of going anywhere, you know, and because there's other guys who were built up, like, you know, let's even just pull out, like, you know, even though it was, it was a joke where they said, you know, Tommy Morrison, they call him the Duke, you know, that was Aram saying that, you know, John Wayne, who's, you know, of course, real name was what Marion Morrison, that he was his fifth cousin or something like that. But, but, you know, Morrison fought in the Olympic trials. I mean, he, he fought Ray Mercer in the Olympic trials. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't some, you know, he wasn't some joke without an amateur career. You know, Marvis Frazier was the favorite in the Olympic trials. Uh, you know, these guys, these guys have real amateur careers. I mean, they went out there. There was nothing 
you know, fixed for him in the amateur fights. Uh, you know, we know even, I mean, they had to go out and fight him, but you know, this like Campbell Hatton, this Nico Ali Walsh to just throw, these guys are going nowhere to, to throw them. And, you know, they're going to have to be totally protected. I mean, look, Campbell Hatton can't fight. I mean, the guy can't fight. And, and I, I saw nothing, Ali Walsh, they're talking to people talking about his right hand and stuff. The guy was fighting a 36 year old who had had one pro fight that he lost before that. And God knows what his lack of amateur background was. And the guy was 36 years old, you know, or he wouldn't have been in with Ali Walsh and, and he's hitting Ali Walsh with right hands. I mean, it's like the Campbell Hatton thing. And then you have, you know, Isley, what Troy Isley, who was an Olympic middleweight scoring a nice KO buried on the undercard on the app. I, you know, that's why I tweeted out, how the hell did we get here? I mean, we know how much the Olympians used to be built up, and that was a springboard and having a good amateur career. And now here we are. We have the guys with the good amateur careers buried on ESPN Plus, getting getting virtually no exposure whatsoever in early undercard fights. And we've got Nico Ali Walsh coming on right after the college football, you know, at at the best hour in the East Coast for for people to watch the fight. I mean, it's a it's a waste, but I think people who maybe haven't followed boxing long enough and don't know the TV aspects of it, they don't get it. That's where boxing has lost. In other words, it's just because of the name, they get that, but it's because uh, not only, you know, you know, Muhammad Ali, of course, the name became the, arguably the most famous person in the world, but he had tons of free TV exposure. Like Chris, you'll remember when, you know, the USA network, when they started the Tuesday night fights and they started showing Foreman and, uh, Holmes a lot because everybody knew who Holmes and Foreman were. So, you know, in other words, even in this, frankly, with the boxing decline, this goes far back to the nineties. I mean, that's really kind of where this Nico Ali Walsh thing actually comes in is you're, you're taking names that were built when boxing had a lot of exposure and it was on free TV a lot. And you're, you're just trying, you're, you're trying to recycle and just keep using, using that because, the guys like I've mentioned who are, are more recent Olympians, they they're just not they don't have the exposure like NBC doesn't show the the Olympic boxing you know on normal schedule prime time where it gets promoted, so you just don't have that you don't have that exposure anymore. So that 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 that's what you're that's what you're getting when you throw these guys like Ali Walsh on there, and to a lesser extent somebody like Campbell Hatton because Ricky Hatton's more recent, but of course Ricky Hatton certainly got plenty of exposure yeah i mean zaya is definitely at 19 you know this kid debuted only like two years ago um he's definitely got some talent man i'm 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 really looking forward to to seeing more of him no doubt about it but you're right i mean the holyfield fight it was just it's one of those things where and it's not like all these are going to be highlight knockouts even if you get one from time to time for a casual, right. you know, it's like, okay, there's a knockout or a TKO and then there's a break and you're like a long break, not just a commercial break. Yep. And then how many times do we have to do a mini documentary right before the main event? It's like, dude, we're all watching the damn thing. We already know. We've seen the, the one and two uh, series before it or whatever for any fight, not just, you know, this in general. Um, it's just kind of like, dude, we get it. Sometimes you're even watching a pay-per-view and they're doing this stuff. You're like, dude, we're, we already paid for it. We don't need to see a mini documentary, <laughs> you know? 
like head stop with this right. with how, documentary. It's the last fight left. I agree with how late they, right. It's with how late they do it. I mean, who right. who's who's who needs the mini documentary at at, at twelve thirty on the East Coast? Like you said, you're, they're already waiting for you know. Eric and Stevenson. I mean, I mean, who who who's still waiting that doesn't know who they are at that point? It needs to see the game. Six is over. Yeah, game I mean, six is over. It's been over. You I, know, I, just start the day. I think there. Yeah, I think there's some things that boxing. This is really some battle habits where they're not adjusting. Like, it, it really I, it does this far to me. Like, like you'll remember, and then for anybody who who is younger, give you a little bit of the history. I mean, this, this kind of, this kind of got started. Like, remember how, when boxing was on free TV and and it was Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon, it used to be part of the sports show, you know, like wide world of sports, sports spectacular, NBC sports world. So what they would try to do was people, and boxing's ratings were very, very high then, the TV ratings, always very, very high whenever they would put it on. So what they would do was they would put this garbage in front of it and not tell, like, that wasn't even boxing. I mean, like, you know, rowboat racing and things like that. Right, yeah. And just for, not tell you what time exactly the fight was going to start. To, to make you sit there and watch the rowboat racing, so they could get some ratings out of that. Yeah. I mean, that's the old the trick. wide world. Of I mean, sport. that's right. I mean, that's actually where the the old trick starts. But like, it's it's a different world now. I mean, things do change, and you got to adjust. Like, I, I think, I mean, I'm with you all the way, and I think that's where now boxing is missing an opportunity. Like, you know, you got a good rating on Herring and Stevenson. I, I think we've reached a point now where you know, instead of trying to force people to watch Ali Walsh, who might not want to watch it, or or Zayas, even though he's a great prospect, and I love him as a prospect too. I mean, like, like I think we might have finally reached a point where you got to say, and this is for all platforms and all broadcasters, like, right. you know, Shakur Stevenson and Jamel Herring will start at eleven forty-five Eastern, and then just make it where then if they have to run documentary before that or whatever. To fill it fine, but like it will, sure. you know, like it will start at eleven forty-five Eastern, and just get your biggest stars. Make sure that they get viewed by the most people. The, the, the good fights, just like you said, instead of you know gambling that maybe you'll get a high light real knockout with the prospect, which you don't always get. A lot of times you get a boring fight or some no hoper just lays down, and then that just turns people off and say boxing sucks. Yep. Uh, just. You know, say exactly what time your 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 best fights are going to start, and then you know maybe you have an undercard fight that a is really good, like a really good co-main. Like even though they didn't work out, like we hope, like Fury Wilder three card. You know, you're saying sure. Kanatsky Helenius is going to start at nine thirty, and you know a jog with Sanchez will start at ten thirty. I mean, we know fights can end early and stuff, but like you said, they always throw the filler in anyway. I think it's I think it's time to start start doing that because you know look we've all gone through this too and people joke about it but but it it does get torturous i mean so you know now on an app they feel even more liberty to 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 throw on all kinds of crummy fights and and you know i get some people say they 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 make a decent argument they say like well you know if it's televised and you don't have to watch it who's damaged yeah true 
if you know what time the fights you want to see are going to start. But we don't know that yet. They just say even even DAZN, you know, main card at such and such, which main card could still have, you know, three crap fights in it too. Uh, yeah, and then Navarrete and then, you know, was on the plus, and it still went late, you know? And then with the apps, there's just no reason. You're right. With the apps, especially, there's no reason for this. I mean, with the app, just say main events going to start at such and such time. Like, let's, let's like, make it to the fan. Let's give the fans real discretion. Like, say, with these DAZN marathon cards that got a lot of bad fights. I mean, that they just they just tell you exactly like, you know, this is – this is when the such and such undercard fight's going to start approximately and, and tell you when they all are. Then you have a real choice. Like, okay, I'm not going to watch those, or I'll watch those later mm-hmm. if I want to. And, and, you know, you're not taking out your whole afternoon sitting there waiting for the fights you want to see. I mean, the, the time investment, right, as, as more boxing gets on, but the problem is then – you're trying to catch the fights you want to see, but they're, but they're asking for more time investment when they're not like, as people are complaining about the staying up late, they keep, they keep asking for all this time investment and, and it's, they got to cut down on that. They got to, they got to start reducing the time investment that's required of the fans. Yeah. And sometimes the, the like central time, the card will start at like nine and it'll be like a three hour slot. And on the side of ESPN, who, you know, cares about boxing because they bought it, but, you know, it's obviously not a priority, um, they are giving a great slot in, in a sense. Now, it is up to the promoter, I'd assume, to say, hey, you know, like if you have a decent crowd after the main event, sometimes it will falter and fall apart. So if you just flip the main event, put it first so we could get that 1.7, and then go right. down. Sure, I understand the TV doesn't look as good, but there's plenty of times when you're leading into it that the TV doesn't look good as far as the live crowd, you know? I do understand ESPN's like, hey, man, we got two and some hours to fill, and we're going to fill it. We know people are going to at least steadily watch it. It is one of those sports that does get, usually anyway, does start from a point and slowly build throughout the night, but you know, when you start at a high point like you do with this lead-in, uh, either way, it is what it is. Um, we will talk a, a couple other items here out there in the news, um, like a potential Devin Haney, JoJo Diaz stuff or whatever. Um, but let's talk about this upcoming week at Showtime and ESPN+. Plus. Speaking of, have cards. Uh, my guy from Minneapolis, Jamal James, takes on Budiev. Uh, Zapata and Vargas, which Jose, Jose, uh, Jose Vargas, that should actually be a good, I call it a TV fight, but it's going to be on an app, but it should be a good fight. And obviously, Jerron Ennis, Boots Ennis, returns against Delorme. Um, let's talk about that Showtime card. Um, Butiev's a, a quality good fighter. I don't really know, you know, he, he did, you know, his one fight that, Maybe people could go, oh, he took on best Putin. It's a little funky how that turned out. Um, But Jamal James comes back. This is part of that tournament, unfortunately. But I'm happy to see him back because he's been out of the ring for a while. I do wish that this fight would have happened this summer, though it would have been at the Armory. It only kind of makes sense here. Um, But I am looking forward to see Ennis keep climbing that ladder where he's in contender range 
and trying to get to that title shot. Yeah, you know, the more I'm looking at this weekend, uh, it's not spectacular, but it is better than I thought. You know, I was really disappointed about the Wallen-White cancellation. I was really looking forward to that fight as a capper of all this heavyweight action and getting a sort of reorganized top 10 based on results. So I was really disappointed when we lost that. And the remaining zone card is just garbage. It's just steaming garbage. So that's not even really worth talking about. But you look at the Showtime card, it is a solid card. And that ESPN Plus main event with Zapata and Vargas is good. So, you know, looking at the Showtime card, yeah, I think Jamal James is underrated. I agree. He's developed a good following in your area of Minneapolis. We would like to see that continue. But I'm happy to see him getting some exposure. He's fought a lot of solid opponents. I think he's underrated. He just has the close loss to Ugas, and, and Ugas has climbed his way just about to the top of the division. So there's no shame there. Uh, really, the only thing James is lacking is, is punching power. He has some moments where, you know, he, he bangs a little harder, but he's still not a puncher. So that's his one flaw. Uh, that's in calling this fight with Butev. That's the one thing that, you know, the flaw of James. Uh, Butev, uh, you know, I've seen he's, 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 he's pretty good. He's not spectacular. Uh, so I think – Jamal James should be able to outbox him in this fight. And, uh, again, James not the biggest puncher, but throws a good volume of punches. He's got good height, uh, good boxing skill. I, I think he should have a little bit too much boxing savvy and skill and, and should be able to get a decision. But I think that that is a real good matchup. And, I, I've you know, Jamal James always been in the top ten for me, you know, with, with – being in transnational, I've always advocated for him being in the top ten. I think, you know, welterweight arguably in terms of depth is the toughest division in boxing. Um, and I think he's he's in there. I mean he's legitimately in there and he's earned it in the ring with his performances. So I, I like him in that manner. Uh so this is a big spot for him on showtime. I think he will come through and, and get the decision and, and set himself up for some bigger fights uh, after Saturday night. Yeah, and, and Butiev, just to explain that, I did get a message, the best Putin, you know, best Putin technically originally, this is last year, won the fight, but, or not, maybe it was two years ago now, it was a lot, yeah, it was, it was, two, it was late 2019, best Putin tested uh, positive for a banned substance, and so it got changed to a no contest, so, um, you know, Butiev, you know, he, he 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 did get out late last year in a in an easy win. You look at you know Leonardo Tyner, who's way past his prime. He really hasn't fought too you know high of a level, and that was a competitive fight. Um, I think it was like eight to four, seven to five, or whatever. But against Best Putin, but yeah, I agree. I think uh, Jamal James is actually coming off his. Uh, Probably his most complete um, performance. You know, he, he does falter sometimes into just brawling, and don't get me wrong, it's fun to watch, but sometimes he was getting hurt by some guys that, like DeMarco and a couple other guys, uh, Abel Ramos, that was a really tight fight. So you're right, it's been competitive guys, a lot of solid um, 
quality fighters that he's faced, but I do like him here. And then you got Boots Ennis and Delorme, and this is just another step up for Boots, who uh, is has that hardcore boxing Twitter um, following that you know people just want to see him get a shot. Yeah, he's the real deal. I felt he was. He confirmed that against Lipinets. And, um, I, you know, Delorme is a tough guy who's given a lot of guys tough fights, including Ugas at a fight of the year caliber type fight where they were both on the deck on that uh, free TV Fox undercard for the uh, Mayweather-McGregor, um, a very underrated fight. Um, you know, really just, you know, to Terrence Crawford's credit, T- Terrence Crawford is really the, the one guy that just handled him real easily, but uh, he's he's given everybody a tough time. Otherwise, he Vargas, but you know he, he's just with the depth of the division, he's not quite in the legit top ten. So I was with everybody else, even though I respect the and what he brings. You would have liked to see more of a step up for Ennis, but uh, as we can probably correctly imagine it's probably hard to get people in the ring with Ennis right now. So Delorme was probably the toughest guy they could get in there with him. So no disrespect to Delorme, but, you know, with the way Evan, with, with the way Ennis is going, uh, with with his skill level, uh, you know, he's got power and speed, boxing skill, Look, looks to have about everything. Um, I think he should be able to stop Delorme. Um you know, Stan Jonas was able to beat Delorme, but he wasn't able to get him out of there. Um, good, solid fight, but a clear win for Stan Jonas. Uh, Ennis will probably be able to uh, to top that. And, and there's another card worth – there's another fight worth watching, I think. That's right. For how good Miguel Rivera is. Rivera, um, that's right. I think that he's almost being underestimated. I mean, the guy uh, – you know, he, he's got good size for a, a lightweight. He's a good puncher, only age 23. You know, sometimes I'm generalizing here, but sometimes with the Dominicans, you know, he's Dominican, they, they can show some good power. But then when the opposition steps up, you know, uh, they, ha- they have some problems. Um, that hasn't been the case with, with Rivera. He's already proven to me that, you know, he's beyond that. You know, he's, he's got to win. You know, these are some of your under-the-radar type wins, too. He's got a, you know, a decision win over Juan Rene Telez, who also went by Jerome. You know, he's the guy that impressively knocked out Carlos, Carlos Balderas, sent him from – basically sent him from PBC to top rank uh, and right. to a new trainer in Butler. You know, Rivera's already beaten him. Uh, you know, Felix Maldonado, kind of a, a solid opponent type beaten him. He's beat Ladarius Miller, who's got a win over Jamel Herring, who we've discussed. Rivera's already beaten Miller. Uh, and then, you know, John Fernandez, who had the one upset loss to Oshaki Foster, but since Foster's proven to be a contender, Fernandez, a very talented guy, really came to fight against Rivera, but ended up getting stopped. I, I think, you know, a motivated Fernandez who really wanted to prove to get back on track I think that was a really impressive win, even though Fernandez had had that one loss. Uh, but, you know, Foster has since proven he's a contender. So, you know, Rivera's already, only, even though at age 23, he's kind of proven to be the real deal. 
And I, I think this Jose Romero, who he's fighting, who, you know, went the distance with Isaac Cruz, I yeah, felt I was like gonna he say. was going to survive. I felt like Romero was in a survival mode in that fight. But, you know, Cruz, what we've seen in recent fights, he, he has the power, he's aggressive, but, you know, he, he's so undersized, really, even for the weight class as a lightweight that he, sometimes he's got he's, – you can see where he's going to he, – he's got problems getting that power off which is with his punch delivery system against the guys that are taller than him, which is going to be the case regularly for him. So that that's a flaw. So what I'm saying is I, I just think Romero was in to survive against Cruz, thought Cruz clearly won that, but Romero wasn't really – into take any chances and really try to win. He was kind of trying to fake his way through it, but uh, Cruz just, you know, being as short as he is with a guy like that, could, couldn't get his bombs off. What I'm leading into is that's not going to be the case Saturday night to me with Mikel Rivera, who's got good size, yeah, yeah, yeah. Weight, <laughs> skill and power. His punch delivery system up. isn't going to have Right. It's not going to have any problem getting off on this guy. And I think this Romero is in for a rude awakening. And I, I could see this being a spectacular knockout. Uh, so I think this is a good, uh, another good showcase spot for, you know, Rivera. He's been getting some exposure. But with all these, these and I think that people want to say oh, they're overhyped. I don't like, in other words, you know, the, the guys around lightweight that, that we've been talking about, you know, Garcia, Haney, you know, Lopez, uh, you know, Gervonta Davis, and then now Shakur Stevenson. I mean, I think they are all the real deal. Uh, if it could just be put together, there would be all kinds of great fights. I believe that, but it's just getting getting the promoters to have these guys fight. But let's not forget, you know, you got Rivera hanging around at, at that area too. It doesn't mean he's necessarily as good as those guys, but, but then again, he's, he's also a, a real prospect, a real threat coming up who, who can punch and you know, sh- shouldn't be discounted. So this is a, this is a good opportunity for him to, uh, to make a statement and, and say that he wants to be uh, at least be in the conversation with, uh, with those types of guys. Yeah. And then uh, speaking of the main event on ESPN plus um, Jose Zapata, who's had a nice run here. Some people thought he beat Ramirez. It was a very close fight. I definitely wouldn't go against that. Take it on Josue Vargas, who, um, you know, he's got one loss, but it was a long time ago, like 2016, 17. It was a while ago. He's looked pretty good against, like, a Noel Murphy. Uh, Kendo, I remember he, he performed pretty well in that. It was a pretty clean, clean win there. Um Looking at it right now, Willie Shaw, definitely a prospect level. I'm not sure he's ready to step up all the way up to this, but as far as a TV fight goes, I think it's really good. The odds, though, I'm looking at a looking at DraftKings, and the odds have Vargas as a plus 135 and Zapata at minus 165. Um, Otherwise, it's pretty much lower than that, plus 135, plus 110, plus 120. I got to say, I, I, Zapata has a style that you're going to be in the fight, and then he can maybe knock you out or whatever, or just beat you. But I, I don't think it's that tight of a fight on paper. I, I favor Zapata, but in an explosive fight, that kind of 
I like Vargas, but I don't know if I'd put him at a plus 110 against Zapata. Yeah, I think what's happened here, Chris, and I do find it really tough to call, and I think that this is what is happening with the gambling odds and the odds makers as well and people that have put some money on Vargas, is you're wondering if the Zapata and Baranchek fight of the year war, one of the best fights you'll ever see, and, and definitely, you know, just unbelievable. I mean, the violence in that fight, the, the knockdowns, I mean, you know, definitely one of the best fights I've ever seen and was certainly fight of the year. They did so much damage to each other that, you know, Zapata did not look good. He looked really poor in his last fight. And then we saw what happened to Baranchek against Montana Love, who's not a puncher. He had no punch resistance. So, you know, go back to my own thoughts before Baranchek and and Montana Love, I don't do this that often, but I do it once in a while. I made that a no-pick fight for me because I wasn't that impressed with Love and he wasn't a puncher, but I felt like after the war that I, I just didn't know what Baranchek was going to bring, and I felt like he was a guy that took too many shots and was kind of too crude before that. So, you know, as we know how that fight went, to, to Love's credit, he stepped up when he saw Baranchek uh, was having problems with his punch resistance. And Branch has took a branch check, took another brutal stoppage. Uh, basically, corner had to say that was it. But after he took a beating and got dropped, um, I think people are looking at, you know, Vargas here and saying that he brings enough talent that that could happen to Zapata. And I think that's possible. That's what that's what makes that this a tough call for me. I mean, I'm with you. If this was if this was the Zapata who was going into the Jose Ramirez fight, or even before he took the punishment against Baranchek, I'd say, yeah, he's got too much. But that Bundy fight, you're right, he didn't look good. But that last fight, he didn't look good. He's a decent puncher, but not a huge puncher, despite the Baranchek stoppage. So you can't just rely on a knockout. Makes it a tough fight to call. But in the end on this one, I'm kind of going – with what you thought, you know, Vargas has looked good to me at times and in times, you know, not as good. Uh, of course, you know, it's 140 and Zayas was at 147. Now at one, he, you know, he's fighting a junior middleweight. Why I just mentioned that though is like, you know, if I think it's a situation where if Zapata was facing a, a prospect of the level of Zayas or, or somebody of the equivalent at 140 pounds, he might not have enough left to get by. But I think Vargas is is pretty good. He's going to be a threat in this situation, but that Zapata will just have enough to get by him. That's that's the way I'm leaning here. So to me, the odds are really accurate. They kind of reflect it accurately to me. I think Zapata probably just gets by here, but I, I do see the vulnerability where he, he just might not have anything left after that Baranchek war. He, he's got to have enough left to get by Vargas. I think he will, but it's, it's, it's a tough call. It's not an automatic. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I'm, I'm kind of expecting a bounce back, but, you know, Lundy has been past prime for a while. So um, that is a good point. I still think it's a little close, but, the way you lay that out, 
it kind of did, you're like, man, I did kind of forget it. This only happened in like May or April, that fight with Lundy. So, yeah, I did kind of be like, yeah, you know, that was a lot closer than I was thinking. That's a good point. That's a good call. It, it makes it interesting either way stylistically. I think it's going to be a really, really good fight, and Jose has a chance to really, uh, you know, step up. Um, now, Oscar, one more fight, Oscar Rivas. We haven't talked about it just yet. Um, he did, you know, become <laughs> the uh, the inaugural WBC Bridge Bridgerweight, you know, title, whatever title holder. I, it is what it is. I don't, you know, whatever. But you know, Rivas kind of came out the gate, you know, stormtrooping. I mean, he really got in the inside, landed big shots. It seemed like Rivas kind of gassed there for a little bit. And um, Ro- Rosicky or whatever that guy's name is, he actually was able to take those early that early pressure and kind of got through it and then started landing some really good shots, you know, right back at him. And Rebos kept working the body and whatnot throughout the, the fight. Um, and it wasn't until probably the halfway point, maybe in the second part of the fight, where Rebos was worried more about jabbing and, and boxing and, and kind of not survival mode per se, but just kind of trying to, gain control of the fight back, Roziki, you know, was really just kept coming and coming and coming. And it turned out to be a really good fight. Um, Roziki had a lot of pressure, like I said, in the second half. I think it was the 10th or 11th round where he, you know, he got clipped with some, some pretty big shots. But I liked how Rivas kind of steadied stuff a little bit and, and jabbed and went to the body. And, and, and like I said, it, it looked like um, – you know, there was like a, a right hand, I think it was, an overhand right that landed big time. Um, I think it was a left hook, uppercut, if I'm not mistaken, maybe another left hook to the body, uh, where Rivas, I think 10th or 11th round, really started uh, to land good again. And I think, didn't he get penalized, I think, late in that fight, but it didn't matter. He ended up winning that fight, but that... You know, forget the belt. It was a fun fight to you know to talk about or to watch, and it's worth talking about. It was a good fight. It, it surprised me, uh, and it did end up being a really good, entertaining fight. And then I'll throw out the analysis I've always done for all these other weight classes. I feel are unnecessary. I'll offer it up to anybody that wants to use it. This is to me the way you handle these things, so you can still enjoy the fight but ignore the alphabet nonsense. I just look at this, again, using my original weight class analysis as a heavyweight fight. So it ended up being a good heavyweight fight. Um, Rivas was not able to knock out Riziki like you would have thought going in. It was a little mark against him, but, you know, Riziki did end up being a little better than at least I thought, I think, that most thought. But, But there was a flood of gambling money on Riziki. It was a head scratcher uh, going into that fight. I mean, a really unusual flood of money. I mean, you, you were even wondering where it was coming from. And I just thought, well, they, I, did they look at the 13 and 0, 13 KO? But that's the thing where there, there is meaningful stuff that, that can come from, you know, following the sports books is that they, it ended up not really being 
stupid people. It was just some people that knew some things that, that saw the odds were so high and knew that Riziki was decent. So, uh, you know, he didn't win, so you still lost if you bet on Riziki, but, but he, he had some awful high odds, and, and he, was, he was in it. Uh, he, he didn't even get stopped, and he was battling to the end. So I, I think uh, went a little bit against Rivas. Uh, of course, he, he cut some weight for this fight, but really when you saw he, in the past for his height, he's like six foot. He in weighing at 250, probably, I don't care who he was fighting at heavyweight, it was probably too heavy for him because, you know, he dropped Dillian White. Uh, if he would have been able to follow up better, he, he, he might have been able to get a stoppage there. But as they accurately said going into this fight Friday night, you know, he, he doesn't throw that much. Uh, and, and that's often one of his problems. And he would throw in spurts against Riziki and Riziki kept coming and ended up being a better, very entertaining fight. But I think one thing people should be sure not to get confused about, and I've seen this in all sports, not only boxing, you know, maybe when they add an unnecessary playoff in other sports, just because the fight was good. I mean, that's just a correlation. That's not causal. It's not because the fight wasn't good because they created a bridge away. It was just a, it was just a good fight. It would have been a good fight if it was that heavyweight. So you don't need a bridge weight division because you got a fight like that. I mean, you, you, you could have just had that fight anyway. So what, what I then thought afterward, I mean, I think Rivas, that was kind of a performance that didn't help him in terms of look heavyweight still where the money is, the glamour division. And, and he really was on the fringe of being a top 10 heavyweight, even, even taking this fight Friday night. So he might not have upped his stock, not getting Riziki out of there. He might've hurt himself. And then, Riziki, I wonder, you know, a good performance for a guy with only 13 fights fighting a uh, a fringe top 10 heavyweight like Oscar Rivas, uh, you know, maybe he, he can uh, have a future with some more experiences, more fights. But, you know, where does he go? He weighed in at 203. You know, does does he try to go with this kind of nonsense and market himself with the Bridgerweight thing or fight at cruiserweight or you know, which, which I like that guys do actually, even if, even if he would be smallish for it, uh, or do you say, what the heck, you know, there's not a lot of Canadian heavyweights and there's the most money in the heavyweight division. I'm going to, I'm going to put on 20 more pounds. He claimed he had to eat his way up to 203, but maybe he'll see the money and eat himself up to 223. And, uh, I'm not saying he's going anywhere, but again, the paydays are bigger at heavyweight. So I'm, I'm a little bit curious to see after that solid performance and defeat what he ends up doing with his career. Yeah, you're right. The weight, it, it was pretty, you know, it was, that is a good call. It was pretty uh, damn high. No doubt about it. Um, any other items that you, you'd like to uh, discuss at all? Well, let's see. I think we got a pretty, pretty good, uh, pretty good coverage of uh, everything uh, tonight, Chris, as we, as we head into this weekend, like I said, not going to be a spectacular weekend, but might be a little bit better of a weekend than I thought after my disappointment of losing uh, White and Wallen. So uh, kind of kind of looking forward to the action, uh, particularly the show card. And then, like we said, the, the Zepeda and Vargas fight. That's that's kind of intriguing because we we got to see what Zepeda has left. And I'll just wrap it up. But one I wanted to compare it to is I think with that comparison, that fight also is you know, look what we've seen with you know. Julian Williams and Jared Hurd, who had a fight of the year quality fight with just a ton of punches thrown and landed by both guys, even though Williams clearly won the fight. You know, 
we've, we've seen Julian Williams just lost to, to a guy who, you know, was like a glorified club fighter guy, not to take anything away from uh, Fernandez. He fought well, but still, uh, you know, not a guy you would expect to beat Julian Williams. And we saw Jared Hurd lose to Arias, a guy you wouldn't expect him to lose to. And he, he didn't look good against Santana before that. I think those guys just beat the hell out of each other in that fight. And, and they, neither of them has that much left. That's what you're worried about with that already happened with the Peranchek question is Saturday night. Does that happen to Zapata? Yeah, that, that is a good call. And definitely beyond just the action that will be going on in the ring. That is uh something to look forward to no doubt about it thanks for joining us and uh, have a good night enjoy the weekend all right chris you too thanks for having me as always yep take it easy take care all righty that was john per usual been nice having him on on a weekly basis we will get to some fight news and whatnot um of course the boxing twitter Stuff you gotta we gotta cover some of that. It's a boxing Twitter segment. Um, so there was, I mean there there's uh, you know a decent amount of uh, of news out there. Um, and one of I mean let's we didn't get into really the Devin Haney stuff too much in JoJo which sounds like it's, it's, it's a done deal. They're just, you know, dotting the I's, crossing the T's. Um, but also the Ugas scenario. And I actually didn't, didn't get into that um, last week, even though I did a little bit at the start. But, what you know, we just had a, a jam-packed show. So, you know, that type of thing happens from time to time, right? Um, when you look at it, well, first of all, someone actually sent me a screenshot of my own tweet, my poll. How does a Shakur Stevenson versus Oscar Valdez fight play out in the ring? And I had four different um, options. Shakur UD, right? E- uh, a decision win. Shakur TKO, Valdez split decision, or Valdez KO. I'm not sure that Valdez can win a unanimous decision just stylistically, to be honest with you. Um, And what was there, 41 votes or something like that? Um, 6.5.5 and and 6.5.5 shows Valdez KO or Valdez split decision winning the fight. 12.9% picked Shakur TKO. And a decision, unanimous decision, 74.2. That's that's not really... uh, that all that surprising, you know, really. I mean, I don't believe it's that surprising. That kind of that kind of makes sense overall. Um, and by the way, just to kind of back up that rating for the fight, it was the best rating of the year. The only thing close was Ramirez Taylor, uh, which is almost a million. That was nine hundred ninety-five. But that's the only card this year. That has averaged over a million. Burchell Valdez was 771. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that Navarrete Diaz was 733. Stevenson's last fight was 784. So, um, you know, I definitely wasn't trying to rip it. I was just trying to put it in perspective. Um, but it, it's still, that's a good rating, you know, 
kind of like what John was saying. Um, so as far as this Ugas stuff goes, clearly, you know, we'd like to see Ugas Spence. That was like the biggest news out of this. It really didn't surprise me that this tournament was going on and everything like that because they already announced it. And something Jake Donovan said um, probably about this was October 20th. And not just said, but wrote, you know, um, the headline on BoxingScene.com. Sorry, I got the hiccups. I'm trying to hide them. Um, The WBA denies special permit request by Ugas to bypass mandatory defense versus Stanonius. And I like Stanonius a lot. But, and it sucks. I'd rather just see the Spence fight, right? I'd rather just see the Spence. But the biggest news was, that February, and, and someone used the date February 22nd, wasn't that the date for, wasn't that the, the date for the, the rematch fight in, in 2020, February 22nd? Because February 22nd, next year, is on a Tuesday. <laughs> so I'm thinking it's the 26th uh, as far as the date. They literally had a date for Ugas and Spence to fight. Spence has been not fully cleared, but obviously if they're talking about dates, that means Ugas being signed with Heyman as well had some inside information that it it looks like Spence is is going to be. You know, we talked about that injury, how it was in a spot where they caught it at a good time, meaning he doesn't have to take a year off or something like that. Now, you never know. It could be a setback, this, that, and the third. You never know. But Jake did point out something here. Um, he said, you know, they put in this special request, but unfortunately the request came after the tournament was already announced. The common misconception among the less enlightened in the industry is unification bouts automatically trump mandatory title fights. The reality is that any request, this isn't just the WBA, any request for such a fight must come in in advance of an ordered mandatory defense, a practical um, tradition followed by all sanctioning belts. So now am I trying to cover for them, the WBA? Hell no. But it is true, like, that is something that you got to do. So whether they got it late or not, Ugas literally said that he already signed the contract. So maybe Al and everybody just kind of thought, oh, maybe they'll they'll bend the rules on this one. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, Ugas said, you know, he, the WBA has been sent, sending me to a tournament. Um, you know, he beat, he already beat Jamal James. Uh, he beat Manny Pacquiao. This does not make sense. They should do it all in the division, all of the division then. In history, oh, they should do all these in the division. I get it. Not everyone had three or four belts, though. Um, you know, we signed for a February 2020 for the unification, which would have been perfect, but, it, you know, it would be very close to the Crawford-Porter fight, and there could be an undisputed champion. Uh, he says, you know, this guy's got 13 fights, Stan Onius, what the hell, blah, 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 blah. And I get it. You know what I mean? I do get it. Um 
To be fair, though, he could just drop the belt. Are, are you, you know, if if you think Ugas and Spence is a, a fight worth fighting and wa- or watching, <laughs> we're not going to fight either of them. They're going to fight. Then you should, if if you don't care about the belts, not just Ugas. I'm not calling out Ugas on this one. I'm saying if you don't care about the belts out there in in in, in you know the the boxing world, the fans and the media, then you shouldn't care that he drops the belt in my mind, and they could just rule the same thing. And then, you know, then they could just sneak by that one. I, I don't know. I mean, once again, it's the WBA. They had a bunch of titles, and they came up with a tournament, which, you know, the Jamal James, Jamal James did take that Ugas fight on short notice. Now, obviously, Ugas took some other fights on short notice. He took the Pacquiao fight on short notice, but not short notice like you think of it. He was fighting on that night, whereas Jamal James wasn't fighting on that night a couple of years back there. But it is what it is. I mean, my thing is, if, if we if we want to see, you know, we got Crawford Porter. If we want to see Spence fight Ugas, go fight him. Now, maybe he thinks, well, Spence isn't going to do the fight then, because then it, it loses some of its, you know, stature, which I get some of that. I get some of that, but we would all know who really had that belt. You know what I mean? So, and who knows? Maybe they'd be like, oh, we're going to turn you into a, you know, the the champion. And I don't know. Who knows? But it is what it is. I want to see that fight. And what I think what will happen is because Spence will have been out for well over a year, right, because he fought not quite a year ago. Danny Garcia in December 2020. But if he doesn't fight till February, it would be, be another year he's out of the ring, coming off an injury. And the IBF does have a mandatory challenger. So my guess is that's who he's going to fight. Then they'll fight Ugas. And then maybe they close the year with Crawford, or, or I, you can't count on Porter, obviously. So I, I don't know. If Porter wins the fight, then it really doesn't matter because – the, you know, Porter and him, first of all, it'll probably be a rematch clause. Second of all, Porter, if he does come through, he'd just be on that side anyway. So they could make that rematch fight sooner than later, you know. Um, but I think that's the way it's going to play out. You know, maybe Jamal James, if he if he wins this weekend, maybe he would be willing to take step-aside money and then be guaranteed. But once again, then you're looking at, He'd have to step aside twice because, you know, he'd have to step aside originally. If Ugas, you know, let's say he beat Stanonius, and then instead of the winners meeting, they'd have to fight. Well, it wouldn't be stepping aside two times, but if you wanted undisputed, it would definitely have to be two times. If you wanted undisputed, because then he'd fight either the winner of Crawford Porter which most people think Crawford will win that fight, but I really like that fight, obviously. So does a lot of people. But then all of a sudden, Jamal would have to stand by twice. And if it's healthy money and he could fight on the undercard, maybe he would be down to do that, but that's a lot to ask for, you know? Um, he could he could get stay busy, fight, and fight Minneapolis, maybe. I, I don't know. I'm not really – I don't know. It is what it is. But like I said, if if they still could make that fight 
which I, you know, WBA belt or not, I, I'm down to watch that fight. You know, I don't, I don't give two shits about that, to be honest with you. I'm down to watch that fight. All right, anyway, um, Devin Haney, Joseph Diaz Jr., sign me up for this fight. It sounds like it's just a matter of, you know, the last little bit. One guy says this, the other guy says that, you know, that type of thing. Um, and this is what Joseph Diaz, actually about well over a week ago, he, he said, I'm going to fight Devin Haney in December. I promise. Uh, like Ryan Garcia, he, has been, he hasn't been tested, and I'll give Devin his first loss, okay? Um, and, you know, he came back at it. You know, I'll, I'll give props to Eddie Earn because that Eddie Earn first initially offered a mill, which is, it was reported that Diaz was going to make 1.5. It sounds like not only did he match the 1.5 offer to fight Haney, he actually, it sounds like they may have gone a little over that top. Um, But in the same breath, then you had uh, JoJo coming back saying, oh, they want the rematch clause. You know, so that's taken a while. They haven't signed the contract. And then you had, you know, <laughs> uh, Haney coming back and saying, oh, now we're just signed the contract. Now we got it all figured out, you know, that type of thing. So it's been a little back and forth. And that, you know, closing these deals is not the craziest. You know what I mean? Uh, this type of stuff happens. So I'm not calling out either one. This is what he tweeted, JoJo Diaz, uh, three three days ago, I think. He wants a rematch clause in there. That's why it's taking so long to get done. But we'll give it to him and beat him twice if he wants. I'll make sure this fight happens, um, which is cool. And then, like I said, Haney came back and said, just sign the thing, dude. Now you're looking for more money and, and trying to, you know, put pressure on Eddie. Just sign it, you know what I mean? I think he called him a hoe or something like that. Um, anyway, here's a little funky news. Josh Taylor did suffer an injury, but why I say funky, so his fight with uh, what is it, Catterall, that's off, it's kind of funky. So MTK Global Boxing uh, tweeted, they tweeted that he um, suffered an ankle injury, right? Then ESPN, this is from ESPN Plus, said he had a knee injury. Which is like a little, I'm not saying he's ducking the fight. It's just kind of like, okay, <laughs> you know, like, all right, well, so what's up? I'm not sure what's going on. Um, which one is it is basically the, the thing there. Um, um, so there is a variety of news to get to more. Um, I'll also, you know do the, 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 the fight new stuff. Dillian White actually has some stuff that he said that's kind of like shaky as hell. Um, if, if you hear what it, that's the unboxing scene right now, uh, Dillian White has an article up there. Well, it's not Dillian White didn't, didn't write it, but he's got an article up there that has some quotes that you're like, um, really? <laughs> okay. Um, but Portland 503 let me know if, if, if you have time to talk while you're at work tonight. If so, I just texted you. So let just give me a, uh, a time frame on that. Just real quick, 
Um, <laughs> the Dillian White stuff. Oh, by the way, um, Romero, you know, I did actually kind of forget about that Michael Rivera. I thought um, Romero fought okay against Cruz. He was a bit of a spoiler, but he neutralized Cruz, you know, and made Cruz kind of be like, get dirty in that fight. Um, but, you know, other than that, Javier Herrera, you know, I think he had to fight him twice. Yeah, he had to fight him twice. That's right. There's just not much there in the Jose Matisa Romero, but, you know, Riviera's ready to go, dude. I mean, this guy. Luckily, he's not on ESPN, or they would be doing this Ali angle way more than Showtime. <laughs> um, but anyway, all right, let's go to 503. Like I said, I do have some Dillian White uh, items there that uh, kind of makes you laugh. Um, but I'm going to go out to Portland. 503 and see what's going on. By the way, there's four minutes and 45, 44, 43 seconds left of the live stream. 646-381-4990. That's 646-381-4990 if you want to listen to the rest of the show live. If you're listening to the browser, just call in that number. You don't have to talk or anything like that. You can just listen so it doesn't cut you off, okay? All right, let's go out to Portland 503. What's going on, man? How the hell are you, buddy? Mexicanos al grito de guerra, el acero apretado y el rigor. Y resiembla en sus centros la tierra, al sonoro rugir del cañón. Hey, yo, what up, what up, Chris? Uh, yo, I'm doing good. Uh, here in a uh, cold, rainy Oregon, uh, it's, everything's been great, man. Great boxing these past few weekends, man. Uh, but how you doing, Chris? How's everything, brother? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. We had a couple of a nice little, somewhat decent days. The wind's starting to pick up. Um, it's gonna rain tomorrow, so yeah. Before you know it, it's gonna feel like winter here. But I'm doing good. You're right. Yeah, man. It was a fun weekend. Very fun weekend. And potentially we got some fights coming up this weekend that on the low, yeah. under the radar, might really give us some action here. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, some two Mexicans going at it uh, at the weekend, man. Sign me up. Um, you know what it is, man. And, uh, but let's, uh, uh, let's, let's get into it, Chris. Uh, I know I missed last week, uh, so I just want to brush up. Uh, Navarrete uh, did his thing. Uh, he looked good. He looks, he looks like a beast, man. Uh, what can I say about him, man? He's a... His his range, his length, um, his uh, his power is something to talk about. Uh, Joaquin Gonzalez, uh, you know what a sturdy fighter. Uh, this is his second chance for a, a world title, and uh, he showed it that he wanted it. Um, that's what I love about the, uh, the uh, that that fight that both fighters uh, were about it. Um, obviously, you know, Navarrete got the unanimous decision there, but uh, man, but man, you can't hate on uh gonzalez's uh fucking hard and determination to to get that victory that night man and uh, and uh he's one of those fighters and uh, i felt like he was he gave it all that night man i mean just look at his face um it was pretty busted up so i just want to give him that uh shout out both mexicans uh going at it so uh and also yeah. uh and also uh fucking mikey garcia uh, versus sandor martin uh, man what can i say about this fight besides shocker Soccer, big, big upset, huge upset. And what can I say that just Mikey 
Mikey really shit the bed this time. Like I like I predict. I thought this was gonna be an easy win for uh, Mikey uh, going into this one. Because I mean, who the hell's ever heard, heard of uh, Sandor Martin before this one? And um, he was Spaniard, uh, a Spanish uh, Spaniard. You know, um, you know he came in there. He showed up. Uh, you know, shout out to uh, Martin because he showed up in shape. But my, man, but Mikey, what well, man? He showed up out of shape. Like he had some fucking, uh, you know, like like a vacation kind of oh, body. Man. You know, and. Um, yeah, hell yeah, man. And uh bro, it was just like it was it was just too much. I was like I couldn't believe it because like man, you see you had such a fucking uh, like uh, uh, such a long layoff that you're going to show up this out of shape, uh, take this much money from a net or uh, from you know from the zone and you know like you have such a big main event spot and you show up like just yeah. trash, man. Like me, man, I just want to say like me, I wanted to I just show up and you know support Mikey, but man, I can't really support on this one cuz this one he looked like a fucking he just got off the couch. Uh, decided to just to fight that day, and uh, you know he. I felt like he worked more on that entrance that day, the entrance he had that <laughs> of that fight. You know, coming in all pretty stylish with the, uh, I believe what was it of the, the tractor. Uh, so I, you know, I thought that was cool. Um, but uh, but Mikey, man, like like I said, shit the bed really bad, and and um, you know, it's at, like and not only that, but it was he had hometown advantage. The people were there for him. Uh, Martin had no fans. You know, um, if it, Mikey really decided to put pressure on him, just just fucking put pressure on him that whole fucking night. Would just throw punches, what I mean. Um, uh, you know, uh, he would have got the victory just, I think, just having that hometown advantage. But this guy, I, he just like, I don't know what he was doing, man. He uh, he really looked plain, like just ordinary in this fight against Sandor Martin. Um, you know, uh, Martin, shout out to Martin because he picked his shots beautifully when he uh was uh. When Mikey was coming in, uh, you know, he would counter him with some good shots with the right hands. Uh, just Mikey had no answer him for that, that, night, that whole night, had no answer. Um, so shout out to Martin. Um, he, he moves on his career. Hopefully, you know, hopefully the, this, this is a rematch that Mikey gets. This is my opinion. Just Mikey needs to show that he still has it. Um, you know, obviously, uh, I, you know, one thing I didn't consider is that, you know, Mikey has been pretty well off, and I mean money-wise. And, you know, in his life, um, you know, sometimes I, I, I've been seeing more of him lately uh, posting up about his uh, cars or, his, you know, his, his living. Right. And, right. you know, that's one thing I did. Yeah. And I didn't take that into consideration, man. And I thought he was still hungry, but not not hungry for I feel like uh, to keep going and boxing. Like, I think he's made his riches and it, and it, it really is hard to get up, uh, you know, every morning with. You know, like uh, I think I believe I forget what fighter said it, but the, with the, you know what do you I forget, I don't know the quote, but you yeah, know um, silk sheet when you're sleeping silk sheet. There you go. Sheet, Thank you. It's hard to get up at five in the morning and go run. Right. Yeah, man. And uh, Mikey has definitely proved it, proved it in this fight because man, because like I, I I just felt like in all honesty, like uh, what defeated Mikey was you know just uh, the money the. You know, uh, everything, the luxury, the, uh, you know, the privilege, the, what he got, you know, coming. I don't know, man. He, I just feel like he has no more hunger. He, he, could, he, could, he does have a chance to prove me wrong in the future if he wants to. But, man, just seeing that performance and just seeing his, his body shape, it was just terrible, man. He, there's no excuse for that, man. You're like a millionaire. You, should, you get all the luxury in the world. You, you get all the foods, the best food, you know, everything. Everything catered to you, and you're telling me you show up like this, like fat and pudgy, you know, bro. I don't know. That's just my take on the fight. But um, yeah, as far as that, that you know, uh, hopefully we see something better from from Mikey. But uh, as uh, from what I want is the uh, the rematch uh, that set up because Mikey needs to really get that one win 
that win back. I know a lot of people are saying move on, um, but I, I just feel like Mikey should get try to get it back, man. I was, that was just an embarrassment. Um, but let's move on to the uh, the last fight. Uh, the over the last weekend, uh, Shakur Stevenson, uh, Jamel Herring. What can I say, man? I, I felt going into this weekend, I didn't get my prediction, but I felt uh, I had Jamel Her- Herring winning. Um, obviously, uh, Shakur proved me wrong. Just just because. I just want to mention that, you know, these new young, uh, young uh, generational fighters, like, I just feel like, man, like, like they have so much potential, but they just, I don't know, there's something about it where, you know, the uh, social media and the money, the uh, you know, what they see, the prize, what they see in front of them, like uh, the luxury from all these other, you know, superstars and, you know the life, you know the 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 famous rich lifestyle. Like I, I just and and you know they lose interest or lose love of the sport or lose love of hunger, of you know being in a championship fight. But uh, that that's my reason for picking Herring. But man, but was Shakur like Shakur proved me wrong. I just want to say this this guy, man. What can I say? He um, he, focused, he looked great. He? Focused. I t- I couldn't believe how great he looked. Harry had no answer the whole night from opening bell. I just couldn't believe he made Herring just look just like just amateurish, like just couldn't get off. And, yeah, and, and also too, man. Yeah. And, uh, and also too, man, if I could, I have a little complaint about the, the stoppage just cause it's just, it wasn't to me, you know, he was getting picked apart, but I don't know. There wasn't, it wasn't a moment where he was up against the ropes getting his ass whooped like, you know, real bad where he was crumbling. And, and not only that, but I also want to take that he didn't get dropped uh, once or I, I, and he, but he did do the, sure. uh, he did dance, you know, he did get, he did get uh, hurt, um, you know, during the fight. Like I did see uh, maybe two moments of that. And, uh, but there was no moment of him, you know, fucking hitting the canvas. I just think that that stoppage was not merit in a championship fight. I just believe uh, you should give all the rights to the fucking champion to go out on his shield uh, you know, just, uh, you know, not a mercy stoppage like that. Cause this is a world championship bout. This isn't, you know, um, I just didn't like that for my taste. Uh, I think I believe, uh, I don't know, man, that's just my take. I, I know a lot of people are saying stop that's it. A fair this take, fight though. should be stopped. That's a fair take. That, that, cause, cause I, I mean, I mean, I just want to, I, I just want to say that cause I'm, I'm from the mentality of, you know, uh, you have to leave it all in the ring as a champion. And, um, you know, um, I just thought that was too much of a, more of a mercy stoppage, uh, there, in my opinion, and and um, that that's just my take on that. But then, like like you said earlier, man, like Shakur looked focused. Like I just, man, he looked incredible that night. And and uh, it looks like you know the the topic just doesn't go away. But you know, uh, him versus Valdez seems like it's the hot topic for forever. You know, the, for uh, the boxing discussion. You know, this is a uh, you know after seeing this fight, man, this is a dangerous fight for for Valdez. Um, but you know me, man, I'll always vote, uh, or I'll always, uh, root for my guy, uh, Valdez, you know, I'm hey, Gano for, for real, man. And, uh, uh, but damn, what, what, I can't say that's not a tough test though, man, after seeing that fucking performance and, uh, you know, he has a belt, uh, the WBO, uh, at, what is it that, uh, 130, uh, 130 pound. Yep. Yeah. 130. All right, so yeah, man, it's uh, yeah, and uh, you know now, and also Valdez has a belt, so you know this is uh, you know this is good, man. I, I would like, to, I like to me, I, like you know, I like these kind of fights. This is this is a definitely a tough fight for Valdez. Like I said, uh, you know, I, I would like this next, <laughs> but man, we'll see what's next, man, for uh, for both fighters, man. But um, but like like I said, Shakur looked invincible, and uh, 
And also, uh, Ugas, it, it sucks for Ugas what's going on with him. And, uh, you know, that should, that should just show you, like, for any champion that, you know, if, uh, if you're not, like, a, a true A-side that brings, you know, you know, money or, you know, have, you know, like, like a Pacquiao or Floyd or, uh, like, a bit, like, a strong A-side, right? Like, man, they just don't really care about you, man. Like, I don't know. It sucks that he's, go, like, going through this. Um, uh, but I wish, uh, I wish him the best. Uh, but he's still a champion, so he still holds the belt and 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 holds in my in my opinion holds the best win out of all one all uh welterweight uh you know champions and and any welterweight out there. I would just believe he holds the better win out of all of them. So, uh, but yeah, and uh, and also this weekend, like I said, Chris, uh, we got we got uh, your boy uh, Jamal James, right, Chris? Uh, he's he got yes, a good sir. pretty uh, pretty good solid fight. Um, uh, never heard of this fighter. I can't, you know, I would be lying if I said I've ever heard that. Heard of I can't even say the name, man. I would be embarrassing myself if I, you know, said it. But, <laughs> but you know, ho- hopefully James gets this, uh, gets the win. I'm, I'm rooting for him. Um, and also, like I, like I said earlier, um, oh, and also on that undercard, I just wanted to draw, Dr- uh, what's his name, Geron, Dr- yeah, Boots, Geron uh, Ennis, uh, Thomas oh. DeLorme. Now, you know, this is a good fucking fight, in my opinion. Um, I, I like Thomas DeLorme. Um, he's, he's definitely a tough note, tough nose, uh, fighter. Uh, I, I, and also too, that, you know, not seeing him lately makes me wonder, I, I believe that he's going to come in this, into this fight hungry. So, you know, watch out for that. So Jerry, uh, J- Jerron Ennis is really going to have a, a real tough opponent in front of him. I, I believe this, uh, this, um, this weekend. So, uh, but, but I, I say that's probably like, uh, you know, a, a really good fight to, to watch just cause, you know, we're hearing all this buzz against, uh, uh, buzz, uh, around Jerron, uh, Ennis. And, uh, you know, he, he's got a flashy style, you know, he, uh, he comes with it, man. So, um, let's, let's see if he's about it. And, uh, but yeah, he's, uh, uh that, that's going to be a good one. And like I said, and also, and, uh, like I said earlier, Chris, uh, uh, Jose Zapeta, Jose Vargas, uh, you know, two Mexicans going at it. So I'll be, I'll definitely be staying tuned to this week. You going man, for Jose? I'm going for Jose, bro. I'm going for Jose. Based off the name. Yeah, yeah. Hell Based yeah. off the name, brother. Hell yeah. <laughs> I Jose, got you, bro. Jose. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Cause you know what, bro? You know, I, I was, I was saying this earlier, but, uh, um, to some people, but you know, you don't very see that, uh, that name, uh, often. So, you know, uh, I got, That's you true. know, I got to shut some love to Jose Vargas. So shout out to him. And, uh, but Jose Cepeda, you know, you know, ain't no punk. So this is going to be, um, this is a, you know, this is a good fucking fight. So, uh, you know, that we're going to see what, what's going to happen. And, um, but yeah, like I said, uh, this is definitely a sleepers, uh, uh, weekend for fights. I would, I would definitely tell the, the, the casual MMA fan, and uh, the sports fan is stay tuned to this one, man, because this this weekend's fights are going to be and, and they're free too, man, which is awesome, you know. Right before, right before the pay per view months start coming in, man, and yeah, uh, right before they you get know, just enjoy... right, yeah, man. They've already, man, dude. I was, <laughs> I can't believe how many, I can't believe how many pay per views they've already gotten us this year, man. Like holy shit. And uh, but yeah, the, this if it all if I could also mention this, uh, this last, uh, this last quarter, man. I'm definitely looking forward to this last quarter of fights, man. Um, it, it's just yeah. inc- it's just amazing how they're it's just bundled up like this, man. This is definitely a um a like just an incredible uh for uh last you know quarter of uh, fights, you know, for boxing. And also too, uh, before I, I get out of here, man, I just want to mention um one more fight. Uh, it's tomorrow, and this is definitely a sleepers and uh the Clarissa Shields. 
versus Abigail yep. Montes. I know, I know this is uh, blasphemy talk, but man, uh, we got, we know, we got our girl Chris uh, getting into a into a into a street fight, you know, into a, one of these MMA uh-huh. fights. So you know, I, I I wish I wish Clarissa Shields comes in with this win. I know she's Mexican, but uh, you know, I, I like uh, I, I want to root for Shields in this one just because I want to I want to see her. Uh, you know, go for you know, go for legacy and become you know pretty uh, great like she's like she's talking about. So um, you know, uh, I'm you know the I just want to root for her. Uh, what I'm saying. So, but yeah, shout out to Clarissa Shields and also this is the PFL uh, Professional Fighters League, which is on ESPN uh, Plus, I believe. So if you have and ESPN that, you know, two uh, as well, ESPN oh, okay. two and, and uh, ESPN Plus starts at seven Eastern. 7 Eastern, tomorrow, Wednesday, so don't miss that. Definitely don't miss this if you're a fight fan, boxing fan, man. Let's root for our girl and, uh, you know, and have a good, uh, you know, great weekend of fights, man, because this, this is a this is a great, crazy time to be alive for boxing fans, man. It's starting to get wild, man. And uh, and also, if I could go right here before I get out of here, man, I want to mention that, uh, what's his name, Davis uh, Rowley, man, uh, that fight, is lit. Uh, that one is worth pay-per-view just for the uh, the press conference alone, man. Uh, that you know Davis and uh, you know Davis seems like you know he's gonna come in here uh, to you know looking for blood. So I think it's gonna be a, a fun fight to watch, man. And uh, I just want to mention that. But yeah, man. As far as that, Chris, I don't have too much to say about it. But yeah, man. And uh, let's enjoy these fights, Chris. And also too, Chris, uh, I want to say have a happy uh, Halloween weekend. Let's enjoy these fights. Viva Mexico, Viva Ropadope Radio. Hey, B, thanks for calling in as always. Definitely, man. It is, it's, you know, in college football, I have this little segment that we say games flying under the radar. Maybe not a lot of people talking about them, but uh, I do believe this type of weekend is that. And I can't believe I thought, I forgot Michelle Rivera was fighting. He's always a blast, a dude that looks like Ali. So, yeah, that's a good point. Someone messaged me saying the IBF, Abdul Kakarov. Abdul Kakarov was made like an interim IBF. This was before the pandemic. And then he, I, I believe it was like Lipinets to become the mandatory, or he did, yeah, but that didn't work. And so it. It's kind of all over the place, but I believe that's who he'll be fighting. Now, don't get me wrong. I really hope it's on regular Fox because I'm not paying. That, that Spence, you know, puts up numbers. He always has a really, you know, great crowd. But to me, that sets up perfectly someplace in Dallas, wherever that may be. Do that and then fight this Oct. You know, the dude I just talked about for the IBF Mando. I'm not saying this is the fight I want, but, you know, the IBF ain't going to mess around. So um, fight on Free Fox is what I'm saying. I I would be really surprised if they put that on pay-per-view, but it would be a good way to drum up interest for a potential Ugas fight or for a potential winner of Crawford Porter or whatever just to get him back on free TV because he hasn't been there in a while. He's had a lot of uh, commercial ads and, and, you know, shoulder programming and all that on, on free TV or basic whatever cable or, or, you know, premium cable like Showtime, but he hasn't been on in a while. 
And I get it. Why not make some money with them, right? But this would be a perfect time for Fox, who, by the way, is in business in 2022. They had a they had a um, an option for another year, and they took it for the PBC. Whether that means they're negotiating another deal or not, I don't know. But that would be great, a, a mandatory that he has to take care of, and then you can have Ugas there, or you can have somebody. You know what I mean? I don't know, but it would just be a good way to get him get him going like that. Now the Dillian White stuff. You know, as far as I'm concerned, I, I haven't seen any uh, X-ray news, right? I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that released. Um, but this is Keith Eidick on BoxingScene.com today, at just after noon. White said, I wanted to fight Wallen. M.I.R. Uh, showed shoulder was way worse than I thought. And when you say way worse, it sounds like, are you going to be out for six months to nine months? Then how bad is way worse? But he was trying to say that he, you know, that he wanted, and obviously we've heard, Hey, you know, we want, you know, Wallen wants proof. He wants proof of that. Um, You know, but now clearly (laughs) white, is going to fight, try to fight Tyson Fury once that gets called. You know, he has to go through the rigmarole of the 30-day thing. And, and for those, you know, I think I may have said this earlier because someone messaged me about this. The 30-day thing that I'm speaking about with the WBC is when um, – so they, they said, all right, Fury has 30 days to negotiate with Alexander Usyk for a fight, but that was just there. You know, it was just open. We all know as long as Anthony Joshua said he wanted a rematch clause, you know, like invoke his rematch clause, exercise it, then he was going to get the rematch. So once that 30 days is up, which is probably close to halfway done almost, then the winner has to fight, or not the winner, but Fury, it was going to be the Wilder Fury winner is what I meant, but uh, I'm just chopping this up, aren't I? Anyway, I'm here trying to explain it to this person, and I'm making a mockery of it. But no, basically, it's just a process of 30 days. Once that's up, then Dillian White will get the mandatory challenge. Now, that could be a purse bid, too. That could get funky. I don't know exactly how that's going to work, Um, but this is what he was saying. According to White, he received injections. Now, we still haven't seen the, the, the B sample. And I'm not alleging that his injections are anything funky. It's just weird to release. So I'm not going to release my MIR, you know, MIR, MRI. What am I saying? I'm just messing this up. But. I'm going to tell you that I took injections. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like, huh. So I can't see your x-ray. I can't see your B sample. We don't know what happened in that court over in the UK. And I'm not alleging anything. It just it, These are good questions. But you're going to tell us you took an injection in your shoulder. So this is what he said. According to White, he received an injection. 
when he first felt considerable pain in his left shoulder after sparring in Portugal. Right? Uh, but the pain became bas- basically, you know, he took five days off to recover, said eventually the pain was just unbearable. So the MRI showed he had a significant inflammation and scar tissue in his left shoulder. My shoulder just completely shut down, completely shut down. That's what he told Bunce on the BBC. Uh, it's like an episode BBC website Tuesday uh, with Bunce over there. I was in pain coming out of the ring. I said, nah, something's not right. This ain't right for me to complain about it, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and like I said, it was worse than they thought. I wanted to fight. You know, if we manage it, we can get another injection closer to the time or whatever. Then I'll go and fight. But obviously they pulled out. You know what I mean? Um, you know that Wallen forgot. But Wallen forgot because he was talking about basically answering Selena and Wallen, some of the stuff they were saying. You know what Wallen forgot is he was a hand-picked cherry. It wasn't even a voluntary. He was just someone that I just picked because of simple reasons is Tyson Fury underestimated him. And he gave Fury a hard fight, but now he's calling him a cherry, you know? So it's kind of like, well, I mean, is he a cherry or not? Because you said, you know what I mean? So um, I begged the guys to let me fight. I begged them, listen, if we have an injection or whatever, obviously I would just numb my shoulder. If I need surgery after, I need surgery after. I don't care. I've done it before, you know, the, the Joshua fight, but it's like, what? You know, if I was playing the pull out, I would have pulled out three weeks ago, saved some money, saved probably a hundred thousand or whatever in three weeks, you know, because of training camp. But it's kind of like, it's just a weird thing to tell us about injections in your shoulder, but yet you, do we, you know, show me some proof that I, maybe I'm wrong come through. I, I don't know, you know. Um, here's an interesting, this is, comes from the sun, so don't take it, you know, 100%. <laughs> Nate Diaz will leave the UFC after his contract expires to fight Jake Paul for up to $10 million. His former opponent predicted. <laughs> so when you got an article like that, um, Diaz has just one bout left on his contract and recently hinted at facing uh, Tony Ferguson. Um, So far, he's yet to extend his deal, and Josh Thompson believes the American is eyeing a lucrative boxing switch to fight Paul over a trilogy with McGregor. And, 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 you know, uh, this is his last fight. That's what he said. He's leaving to go fight Jake Paul. Paul, he's trying to get the fight to get – out of the door. He's done with MMA. He knows the fight's going to make him double than what he made against McGregor. Connor's not the draw anymore that he once was. I don't know about that. Connor can't get out of his contract. That's right. True. He's got like eight or ten fights, he believes. So he struck. So he's stuck with UFC forever um, and ended up fighting. So, yeah, they're saying. And then he says, then maybe later they could fight in boxing. And so if, if he beats Jake Paul, then if it be, you know, Diaz, then all of a sudden he thinks, well, then the UFC would be more open to do a boxing match and make it a big fight. I don't know about all that. I mean, this, this article, someone sent it to me. 
and just to just stop somebody else talking is kind of weird. This is kind of funny and might be just troll with Jake Paul. He reveals his fight as he takes swipe takes a swipe at Tommy Fury and Canelo. Um, the problem child insists Fury doesn't cut it as an opponent while aiming to dig at the Mayweather and yeah blah blah blah. Okay, what else? He said um, he said he's gonna he's gonna face. Hector Lopez or Javier Martinez? He's not seven and zero. Fury doesn't cut it for my fifth fight. Hector was Tank's eighth opponent, came in zero for zero and retired zero for one. Hector was also an MMA guy. It's two and zero. Javier was Canelo's tenth opponent, entered the fight zero and zero and retired zero and one. So I don't, I don't, I don't know if he's just trying to say, hey Fury take this money or not because they were there was talks about that that fight is basically done which I would it wouldn't surprise me if it gets done that's for sure um but I don't know there was some news that it was December wasn't it December 18th or something like that yeah December 18th in Miami Sun Sport well I don't know we'll see um the WBC ordered Raiz Alim against uh, Hova, what is it, Hova Hanishin, final eliminator. The problem is, the WBA did this, he already has a scheduled fight. It's been a little funky because there was a, a, a postponed fight, and then I think on the Alim, so it, it, it just got a little funky, and, and so I don't know if, that's actually going to go through or not. Someone just sent me this, too. <laughs> um, Logan Paul and Mike Tyson set for early 2020. <laughs> SB Nation. I was actually talking about this not long ago. Canelo Alvarez, this is from Showtime Boxing. This is a little bit more quotes and news and whatnot. Canelo Alvarez on his dislike for Caleb Plant. This is a, this is new for me. I've never had such as much bad blood with an opponent than this one. Yes, this is the most animosity that I've had heading into a big prize fight. So, um, you know, it is what it is. I don't really know if that really means anything. Uh, you know, now, if he goes out there with too much anger... Here's a great fight that's good. Eddie Hearn, this is Keith Eidick from a handful of days ago in boxing scene. Eddie Hearn talked about, or says he's talked to Jake uh, Paul's people about Taylor and Serrano at MSG in April. Sign me up for that one. That would be phenomenal. That would be great. That would be awesome. Um, other news. Oh, this is from Kevin Ioli, which, you know, uh, it is what it is (laughs) when it comes to this. Um, Per top-ranked president Todd DeBuff, the gate for Fury and Wilder 3 was north of $13 million. Um, Now the gates are confidential. Uh, They don't get released to the public through the uh, Nevada Athletic Commission. But um, that doesn't surprise me. It's funny, though. I did see people doubting that number, but those same people, a lot of them anyway, will take top-ranked Bob Arum usually. They'll take their word on on PBC pay-per-views. 
right? So they'll listen to Bob from a writer or a couple of media members, but especially one. They'll listen to that pay-per-view number and take it as gold, right? Because, hey, Bob, Bob knows the business. He knows the business. But then when someone from top rank talks about a live gate number, then that's bullshit. I want to see the real numbers. Kind of funny, but yeah, I didn't think what Eddie Hearn said about, oh, it's not, it made you a $5 million gate. I thought that was bullshit. I said, it had, just based off the ticket prices, it would have to do at least 8 to $10 million. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was 10, 12, higher than that. So 13, it's over around 13 million, like a, that's a bullshit gate. Even some people are saying that because it, it's less than the other one. Well, that's where the UK comes in. there, And it also shows that a lot of media people were talking about 80% of the fans were Fury. Well, the UK fans could come over and it still did 13. That's four more million dollars than Canelo and Saunders did out in that uh, outdoor stadium. That's right about maybe a little bit more or less, somewhere around there, that they did in the the Wembley Stadium with, uh, you know, Klitschko and, 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 and AJ. It's just people just listen to Eddie Hearn just because. Per sources, this is Dan Raphael, and this is kind of interesting too, Per sources with knowledge of details, Golovkin and DeZone have agreed to amend the contract that is out of out for signatures. The first fight of the updated deal will be a unification bout versus Murata December 29th. So they have amended the contract that is out for signatures. The first fight of the updated deal, meaning... He's not going to get the same exact money per fight that he signed a contract a while ago. And as we know, DAZN had some cutbacks. So when we go back to that, oh, you know, Wilder should have taken this money. Well, he lost, you know, AJ lost to Ruiz, but there's no way in hell they would pay Wilder that money that they were talking about. First of all, he wouldn't have fought AJ till this year. And second of all, that would have had to be a redone contract. So sometimes when things go by, they turn out different. You know, this was from the PBC podcast. Um, Kenneth does a good job there with his partner there. They have some good interviews. Uh, everyone, not every once in a while, you know, they, they do have good interviews. Renoso, they were talking to Renoso, Eddie Renoso, and he said that, you know, when they come through plants, that they would love to fight Charlo and Benavides next year. Um, Eddie went on to say that Jamal's overall skill set is to be respected, and the fact that Ronnie Shield trains him, uh, trains him will be an extra spice, being that, you know, he trained Arislani Lara, and then Benavides, obviously just a good-ass fight. Now, there was this little conspiracy theory that some folks were bringing up about the Ugas thing. Right? So, and I mean the WBA Ugas thing. And they said, regarding the WBA ruling, this MTK Kinahan probellium, which is Shaper's part of Shaper's thing, cartel, have more influence right now than the PBC and Heyman. Watch out for the cartel. They're coming. Um, but, you know, I pointed out to this tweet that, you know, had they have gotten that petition 
before via rules. <laughs> and I know sanctioning belts can can switch the rules, but this one is not just the WBA. All sanctioning belts do this as far as the top four. So, you know, it it's just, I don't know. It, it's kind of like, well, so now that they're going to take over the WBA, that, that quote-unquote cartel, they alleged cartel, well, that doesn't really make sense, you know, because um, Stanos, Stanoni has got the fight with Ugas now if he wants to take it. But then on the flip side, you know, well, first of all, Ugas with the Ugas Spence fight is a bigger money fight for the WBA. So they probably would have just taken that. But then, then some he responded saying, "Do you think it has anything to do with protecting Spence, who's recovering from an eye issue, not to mention the car crash that took a lot out of him?" And I said, "Well, when we say take a lot out of him, he didn't look phenomenal against Danny Garcia, but he didn't look washed either." And the whole protecting thing, it's like if they had a date for Spence and Ugas, and Ugas said that he signed the contract to fight Spence, how is that protecting Spence? There's no way in hell Al would send a contract for Ugas to sign to fight Spence if they were protecting him. You know, it's just. It's like, which one is this, guys? You just can't, it's just, which one is, like, what's going on here? You know what I mean? Just pick a side, pick something. Pick something. This is Dan Raphael as well. If you sign a boxing contract and pull out with an injury, you should have to A, B, C. These are his options. Uh, Not options. This is what you should do. Prove injury with independent medical verification. Adhere to rescheduling language in contract. Face litigation if you fail to do above. This is not controversial. Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't. I don't think that's crazy. I don't think that's nuts. You know what I mean? Um, oh, Jake pointed this out a couple days ago. They were talking about Shakur Stevenson getting 1.7 million. Herring getting 1.5 for their fight. Uh, he said Kinnahan, who's based in Dubai, also now advises Crawford, as we know, who fights Sean Porter next. Currently in Dubai vacationing, Errol Spence. So I wonder if that's where they'll get some money there, and it'll just be that big. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. Okay. Okay. Here's some other. Oh my God, this one's wow. Why did Bud Crawford? Why did Crawford duck Algeri back in 2014? Bud had no interest in. No interest in moving to 140 until Algeri moved to welterweight to fight back. After Algeri moved up, Bud decided he'll go up to fight for Algeri's. I like Algeri a lot, too. Another, uh, I can't say friend of the show, per se, because I haven't talked to him in a long time. But cool dude. But to sit there and say he ducked him. (laughs) Come on, dude. Come on. He ducked Algeria. He don't want it with Algeria. Is that what you're saying? Come on, dude. Just stop. Just stop. Ooh, this one's from uh, Rick Lazier. Jeez, if Tank Davis is such a big attraction in Atlanta, as Mayweather Promotions and others claim, then why is Tank fighting at the Staples Center in L.A.? 
I would need a real compelling revelation answer that's mind-altering. What's the genius thinking behind this process? Well, first of all, he did $4.5 million in the last time in Atlanta. So that is huge. This is what Espinosa said. If Oscar De La Hoya was such a big attraction in Vegas, then why did he fight Madison Square Garden in New York or the Sun Bowl in, in, in El Paso? What's the genius thinking exactly, dude? It's like you don't just keep him in one spot and that's it. Now, if you're making just crazy bank, sure, after a while, like Floyd fought in Vegas for a super long time. Once he established, that's a little different. But when you're still building it, it's like, come on. Hearn is a – oh, God. I didn't even see this one. Someone sent this to me. Hearn is a genius. He can make Progray versus Martin in Spain a disowned market. So Hearn's a genius because he knew Mikey would get upset by Martin, and now we can make Progray and Martin in Spain. Even though Progray is now signed with a different promoter. Now that promoter is going to work with other people, but just to go that deep and somehow make this about Hearn. <laughs> Canelo is a better boxer than Usyk. Most likely beats him at whatever weight they fought at. Come on, dude. Seriously. I can already see Spence beating up Jermel at 140 for the culture after he claimed undisputed against Bud at 147. Dude, Jermel and Arrow are not going to fight. They have the same train. They have the same train. Gotta get, oh boy, this dude. Gotta give Tank props here. He and his team are creating a mini economy around him. He gets the bag. His fans get to jerk off to that bag, which is weird to say. Uh, Tank gets pay-per-view clout. His fans reveal, or yeah, revealing it. They get clout too, like he does. He gets rich against cans, and your bank is seventy-five lighter. Win, 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 dude. So you're you're saying so Leo Santa Cruz is a is a tomato can is what you're saying a tomato can Leo Santa Cruz is a, so Barrios who was a lot of people saw him winning the fight he's a he's a can are you serious this is a bread man they jumped the gun in the in this era. They call Davis, Lopez, Haney, Garcia, the four kings, while Stevenson is their age, close to their weight, and now a two-division champ. Let the fighters accomplish decide these things. Accomplishments decide these things. I agree with that 100%. Okay, one more. <laughs> oh, boxing Twitter. Boxing Twitter. Wilder is technically still undefeated. Fight one, Fury down with his eyes closed. Any other ref on earth calls that a KO, but Fury had the ref paid off. Fight two, glove tampering in PEDs. Fight three, Fury knocked down for 14 seconds. Fight over. While there's still the bad, <laughs> come on, dude. Come on. The reason why there was a pause in the count, which happens, you pause the count, is because Wilder wasn't in the neutral corner. That's just how it that's how it works, dude. That's how it works. 
Okay, this is one more. Jay Rose says, seeing top rank promote Ali's grandson really annoys me. Not because they're pushing the Walsh kid. That's what they should do, push their fighters. It just shows you what they're capable of and how good they can be at this. So far, oh, so for anyway, to get a fraction of the push is really annoying. That's a good freaking point. Less than a okay, one more. <laughs> Less than a month out and Bud is Brinky. Breaking camp, flying out to Atlanta for this fight. Wish he would take camp more serious. Um, I don't think he's not taking camp serious, but it, it is kind of an interesting point there as far as, you know, a couple weeks out and you are, you know, breaking. Well, this could be a rest day. But anyway, he could have trained when he was in Vegas. You know, who knows? I don't know that for a fact. They, got, they obviously have gyms there, you know, with top rank. So anyway... That is about it. Like I said, kind of an under-the-radar weekend. That should work out. We'll be back next week. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have your upper hand. So now, when, as you fight, let's say you fight for five years of straight survival, of the bullshit, of the whole bag, and when you become the world champion, you're like, you know what, I made it.